This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. TV Wrestling Network loyalists and fans. Hello. Welcome to the newest episode of your home for everything modern day wrestling, Place to Be Nation's main event. I am your tri host, Scott Criscola. Welcome to the show, the Memorial Day weekend edition. Um, and uh, we are doubling down <laughs> on all of the news and notes and everything going on in professional wrestling. Episode 196, 196, four away from two bills, our 200th episode. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, of course, we're not doing it alone. Again, we have a very busy week, big pay-per-view coming up this Sunday, and uh, some other news and notes, a, pay- a big pay-per-view that's actually being moved because some people don't think it's as big as the company that's hosting it thinks. Uh, but let me bring in my crew. We'll begin, of course, he is the purveyor of the Kings of Sport Patreon. And I'm curious what monarch was 96. Some tells me it was a Haas. I'm going to say it was a Haas defensive lineman, Godfather named Milton, who was the monarch at 96. Yes, at 96, uh, we we had uh, one of our good offensive linemen. Uh, you know, did did a little time on the defensive side of the ball, but primarily uh, played offense, and that of course was the the world famous Brucey number 96, Bruce Har. 96 yeah. in the program, number one in your hearts. Uh, but 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 I feel like Scott. Yeah. Uh, this is this is the first time I feel like you know we 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 really this this uh this summertime configuration of of the main event. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is the first time all three of us are really going to be feeling ourselves this week because as you mentioned, we do have a big show to preview, and I feel like. We're going to get into some cowboy shiznit, if you will, Scotty. Uh-huh. And whenever you get into said cowboy shiznit, you need a sheriff around. And I'm glad we have one this week. We do. For joining us once again, he is uh, he is a permanent member of our team. Uh, he's doing a great job pinch hitting uh, as, co- as tri-host for uh, the conscience, Mr. Steve Willie. Good evening, Sheriff Pete Schermacher. How are you, sir? Doing great, guys, man. I didn't know where you were going there, Nate. <laughs> I, t- I took us on a journey all around the world, like met a world peace when he wore 96 for the Rockets. <laughs> uh, and I grew up uh, in Houston during that phase. And I was like, I, I rented him at a hotel and mm. in, on his, on his sweats, it said uh, world peace. I mean, he, he lived the gimmick, man. <laughs> that is fantastic. Uh, some other great 96s besides our man, Brucey. He's the greatest 96, of course. Uh, a WWE, WWE Hall of Famer. Yeah, right. Maybe he was because, well, no, he wasn't in any. He might have been on a Raw sitting in the crowd if they, if any, if, if a pay-per-view was in Seattle. But mm. I don't know if he was ever at a show. But the great Hall of Famer, Cortez Kennedy. Yes. Number 96. Some other 96. You know who is it's 96? It's hard to be a Hall of Famer and underrated, and I feel like Cortez Kennedy fits that bill, Scotty. Yes, I agree. And that's mostly because when he was there, the 
the Seahawks were, but somewhere between mediocre and unwatchable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, mm-hmm. And that's, and that was never his fault. That's for sure. Uh, when they draft great Notre Dame alums like Rick Meyer, that's what happens. <laughs> so, um, so we were just talking off mic about um, about uh, uh, great um, Eagle defensive linemen of the late '80s, early '90s. We were talking about who wore '96. The answer is Clyde Simmons wore '96 mm-hmm. for the Eagles. Jerome Brown must have been the one that wore '99. Of course, yep. the minister, the minister of defense, wore '92. So we will, of course, have the. Uh, rest in peace, Jerome Brown episode in uh, in in a little over a month. Uh, any other? Let's see. I got a list of Muhammad Wilkerson, Sean Jones, of course. Great wide. Uh, I, I feel lineman. like Steve Willie is going to be personally offended if you don't mention one name. Uh, I don't know. Was there Marcus Spears? <laughs> as, a, as a Chicago Bear fan, Akeem Hicks is worn in for the last few years for the Bears. There you go. There you go. Yes, of course, the great Akeem Hicks. But uh, yep. what, 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 what are we doing here, Scotty? What, what are we doing here when we, we can get on this microphone and, and mm-hmm. act like we are professionals and know what we're talking about, and you leave out someone the cali- caliber of the great Muhammad Wilkerson? Muhammad Wilkerson. Yes. Nice. Right there. <laughs> I, I, I snuck it in right before uh, Sean Jones. Yep. Muhammad Wilkerson. That's true. Richard Dent wore 96, but not with the Bears. I think yes. he played for the Packers after. He wore 95 with the Bears. Yeah, I you're right. He 96 he was 95, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was yeah, 95 he 90, in Chicago. Yeah, he wore 96 somewhere else. But Zach anyway. man cometh, I'm your man Dent, of course. Yeah, uh, God, he was awesome. Then. Yep, and uh, a rare defensive player that won a uh, Super Bowl MVP. Uh, that amazing team, you had to pick at least one guy that chewed up the pats and spit them out, and it was Richard Dent that year. Yeah, he uh, owned I, them back then before uh, Rodgers had the audacity to say that to my Bears team. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right, boys. we got a fun show tonight. Uh, as I mentioned, AEW is the one standing on the podium uh, this weekend. Of course, Sunday night is Double or Nothing, and we will preview that show at the back end. That'll be our last segment. Um, but we do have some other stuff. The Flamethrower has some news. A lot of it ranging from embarrassing to ambiguous. Mm. Uh, we will talk about um, a pay-per-view being moved. We'll talk about a uh, another McMahon taking uh, exit stage left. Uh, we'll talk about uh, our women's tag team champions exiting stage left. Um, we got some impact news to talk about. They uh, their next pay-per-view comes up in mid-June, and some other uh, some other shows as well. Uh, little NWA that I want to talk to you guys about. Of course, uh, I'll get more into it with my guy Dr. G on the Saturday special. Uh, and then of course we will preview this Sunday in, uh, in Chicago. Uh, somebody had a funny, uh, note, speaking of Chicago guys, uh, I read somewhere, I think it was Steve Willie that said, was it Steve Willie that said, no, 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 it was on Twitter. Uh, my good friend, Mike, uh, that hosts the squared circle psycho babble podcast on YouTube, him and his brother, Ralph, Mike Valenti, the Valenti brothers, I guess, Tony Khan, Tony, not Nick. We're going to talk about both cons. They tonight. sound like a regional Tag team from the Northeast in the 1960s. The cons? <laughs> the fabulous Valenti brothers. 
Yeah, the flow. Yeah, the flow. Either that or they. Either, either, either way, Scott. Either way works, man. Yeah. Either that. Either that or they run a deli. One or the other. <laughs> That's what the they're doing when they're not wrestling. <laughs> yeah. Can I get the Valenti special with the gabagool? You know. I should see on the Sopranos. Yes. Can I get? I gotta go to Meat King for the with the with the Valenti brothers to get some uh, a side of ham. They um, opened for Bruno with the garden back in the day. <laughs> That's right, they did. The Valenti brothers and the Kangaroos. <laughs> oh, that sounds like a team that uh, that sounds like a team that J. Arsenio D'Amato would have a T-shirt for. You know. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, so anyway, uh, apparently Tony Khan said uh, he's been wanting to get on main event by Buddy Mike, so we might have to get him on now and 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 uh, christen him a uh, old timer of the uh, of the MSG crowd. Um, yes. They had they had they had read somewhere. That and I will get we can we can get more into this when we get to the AEW segment. I just want to bring it up now because it's on my it's on my mind. Uh, I guess Tony Khan said somewhere that he wants to do a show at Wrigley, mm. which which would be pretty cool. Uh, having said that, someone somebody said since when did AEW become a Chicago territory? Which is pretty <laughs> funny because if you think about it, they do most of their pay per views. Mm-hmm. In the Midwest, not even just Chicago. Obviously, they've done all out in Chicago. Double or nothing, of course, is this weekend in Vegas. But they do all out in Chicago, of course. And Punk debuted there. And Punk debuted there. And now they want to do a show at Wrigley. So, you know, everybody says that, you know, Vince likes likes to play it safe in the Northeast. But Pete, is 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 that like uh, is is that Linus? Is that uh, Tony Khan's Linus Van Pelt uh, blue blanket? Being in Chicago, it seems like he could get good crowds anywhere. But why do you think he keeps going back there? I think it's uh, maybe it's I don't know sure why, but I mean clearly because I think Punk there is their guy. He is their biggest draw, and that's where actually where they started getting the really super hot was right, right. right when Punk started. So it's come almost like a I mean, almost like it's a good luck charm in a way. Mm. What do you think, uh, Nate? Uh, to me, it feels like. Um... It's a it's a gift and a curse. Like I feel like Chicago is dependable for AEW. Uh, like they've got mm-hmm. two two home ports basically. They've got Chicago and they've got Jacksonville, and they know right. whenever they need a good crowd, they can go to either one of those spots. But I would like to see like for going forward for 2023, I'd like to see them get a little bit more adventurous. Like I do think they've done a good job in kind of establishing Vegas as that next level AEW city for the for yep. the big shows uh, right to go along with chicago and jacksonville but honestly i feel like they've missed an opportunity and you know we we, we all have our regional biases scotty but i feel like they've missed an opportunity in the mid-atlantic region where yes you like they they did a show in norfolk last year and it was a super hot crowd you know right after hangman won the belt um I believe it was last year. I think I think it was last year. Time. No, I think, time, I think it was. Too. Time, yeah, I, I think it was in, around October not last yeah. year. Yep. Yep. Uh, and that was a super hot crowd. And I think, you know, you do more shows in Baltimore, Virginia, North Carolina. Like, I think there's a lot of fertile ground in terms of, you know, establishing a new market or, re- or revitalizing an old market, to be more exact. Uh, right. Because a lot of the fans of current AEW particularly when you talk about the older AEW fans, they were fans of the NWA and the WCW and the Crockett uh, yep. territory. And so it would make sense for me if I'm Tony Khan and I'm like, okay, we've got Chicago and to a, uh, 
uh, lesser extent, the rest of the Midwest on lock. We've got our home port here in Jacksonville. We've established Vegas as a reliable city. We're probably going to try to expand into California here pretty soon. Where else can we kind of shore up and, and develop a new kind of spot that we can rely on for one of these big shows? I would say like D.C., Baltimore, uh, uh, Norfolk, uh, uh, Virginia Beach, uh, Charlotte. Like those would be kind of the cities I'd be looking at in terms of the next wave. You know, Atlanta. Like to me, I'm surprised. Atlanta should be one of their key cities given that's where a lot of the talent comes from. Yeah, and I've been saying for a while, and and uh, to doc to to the doctor on on the Saturday special, and and I've talked, of course, with the guys at Crock and Roll, Sean, Sean, and uh, and Callum, uh, that Billy needs to spread out into that area. I, he mm-hmm. needs to go to Baltimore. He needs to do Charlotte. Um, I think the Northeast is fertile ground for indie right now. Uh, aid. I went to an aid. I went to a Dynamite Rampage back in. Um, uh, I guess it was Mar- uh, Fe- March, February, February. I went with me, Dr. G and, uh, and Andy Atherton. We went to uh, dynamite in Bridgeport. Great crowd. Great show. It was right before revolution. So it wasn't like crazy hot, but it wasn't terrible. That was that, that was the night that, uh, that MJF cut that weird promo on punk and punk kind of looked at him at like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> so that was that night. Um, admittedly though, rampage, uh, does get a little flat. At the end of the night, I will admit yeah. the show wasn't terrible. In fact, it was a great women's match. Uh, I'm trying to remember who it was. It was my girl Thunder Rosa and somebody else. Can't remember who it wasn't Britt. Was and else. honestly, if if I'm if I'm Tony Khan and and you know, no, don't let me be the one Pete to tell a millionaire or a billionaire how to spend his money. Right. But you know, because I've heard that a lot from people that have gone to these shows where they're still excited to be at Rampage, but you can definitely tell that there's a dip in the energy. Yes, there so, is. So, like, I would, Definitely. I would see like what, like what cities are close to each other. Like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like say we do uh, dynamite in DC. Let's go to Baltimore and do rampage. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. let's do dynamite in Charlotte, and then let's go up to Virginia and do rampage in Norfolk. You know what I mean? Like, I feel yep. like there's ways you can kind of differentiate those shows. Yes, it's an extra day of production, but. I would. I don't think the talent would have that big of a problem with it. And Tony's no, got the take, money. Or even take maybe do two of your rampages together on a, and you know and t- take yeah, maybe yeah, on yep. a live show. You know, yep. obviously rampage is not even live anyway. So I mean, um, but maybe make one a live show, another one tape delay. So you yeah, that's a good, that's yeah, a good idea. Because rampage, right? Because rampage is a shorter show, so you could do yeah. you could do like some you know start the show at seven thirty, do some dark. Do the dark elevation matches there instead of on the on the dynamite taping, yeah. and then do start a start a rampage live, and then do a a you know a, a, a taped one after that. And I think you'd be mm-hmm. fine. Um, yeah, especially in some of these big towns. Like I mean, like the Austin crowd when they came to Austin were super hot. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Maybe do dynamite in Austin, and then maybe go down to Houston uh, or Dallas or something, and you can do a, do a double shot on a rampage or something. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Exactly. So anyway, that I saw that uh, my buddy, uh, one of my uh, sandwich making friends, <laughs> just uh, put that. I saw that on Twitter, and I, uh, I thought that was funny. But anyway, all right. Speaking of Vegas, why don't we dive into our news before we? We'll do the double or nothing preview at the end. Uh, so apparently, let's let's start with the flamethrower. So apparently, uh, yesterday, 
or uh, yeah, yesterday. Well, if you're, we're recording this on, obviously recording Thursday, it's Friday. If you're listening to this right off the feed. So Wednesday, uh, there was an all hands on deck meeting with the staff. Uh, the other con, uh, spoke at the meeting and when discussing the WWE network noted that the company is signing more international partners, uh, PW insider, our good friend, Dave Scherer added that the idea is to, uh, uh, field the network out to different markets, similar to how we here in America have it on the cock. Um, now, uh, let me talk about that for a minute. That's not good for my company. Because if other streaming services take over, because we're handling, you know, my the WWE Network is is a client at my facility, at my company, uh, and we handle mostly the international things because Peacock obviously handles the domestic. So if other streams take it, they may leave our our building. So from my perspective, that's not good because that might be a, an issue with jobs. Not me, but uh, but so I hope I I kind of hope that that that's still. You know, I, I hope that doesn't affect me, my my, my colleagues work wise. But uh, I don't know what international streams. I mean, it sounds like WWE just wants to get out of being in charge of it altogether. Just hand off the content and somebody else play with it. Right, Nate? That's what it sounds like. It's like, here's the library. Do whatever you want with it. Just mm-hmm. give us a cut. You know? Yeah, it's such a 180 from the original iteration of the network mm-hmm. and it's i mean first of all full disclosure just so the audience we can be honest with the audience scotty uh yep. you put in your two weeks notice when triple h retired so you're on the way true. out anyway <laughs> that is true that is true i become i become uh i become a surrogate nurse so <laughs> yes. i move i know where they live it's only 35 minutes from right here so it's a short commute Yes. And uh, I, I just I'll take care of the gym, take care of uh, Aurora Rose and the children. I'll be like, uh, I'll be like a costume bag, too, I'm sure. Right. <laughs> you'll, be, you'll be a regular Mr. Nanny. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Stephanie knew I was I was a little overwhelmed. That's why she's ditching her job just so we all could take care of him. Like, no, we'll get to that. In a minute. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, but uh. That'll, that'll be the that'll be the uh, documentary when when this all comes out, Pete. Instead of uh driving Miss Daisy, it'll be driving Mr. Levesque, and it'll just be Scotty <laughs> exactly. chauffeuring Triple H around. <laughs> we'll, have, we'll have we'll have Scott as his Easter egg when he talks. Where was it? What, what was it? Where was that on SummerSlam? We were on there, Scott. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Think, yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I wasn't even talking about him. That's the sad part. I forgot <sighs> what, what what match was that I was talking about. I think it was Cena and. Uh, is it Cena and Seth, I think? I don't know. Whatever big match. It was one of the Brooklyns, obviously. I think it was mm. Cena Seth, I think. Uh, yeah. But, um, yeah. So, I mean, I, in a general scheme of things, this doesn't really mean anything to us. I mean, obviously, some of our some of my OGs, like my good friend Dave Hall, my co-host on Through the Looking mm. Glass, he uses the network as the network. Uh, our friends in the UK, the Callum McDougals, Ben Locks, Rory Mac, you know, that crew. Um, but for us, this doesn't affect us because we're, you know, we're still feeding the cock. So, yeah. And uh, I still feel like, uh, like I, I still feel very much, and, and you kind of alluded to it, Scotty. Like it, it feels like, almost like they're divesting themselves of the responsibilities of the day to day operations, and like I, 
it almost feels like, you know, we, we kind of talked about this last year with Brandon. Like, if you, if you were transitioning to a hypothetical world maybe five years from now, where uh-huh. there's a WWE without Vincent Kennedy McMahon, this would be like the kind of beginning stages of that, that world. Right. Yeah, because if they do get bought by somebody in two or three years, Pete, say a Disney or say a, uh, you know, I don't know about Fox, because Fox really doesn't have a streaming service. They sold yeah. all their stuff to Disney. Well, that so. ended up being Disney yeah. anyway. Yeah, so they would end up going to Disney. That, uh, if Universal buys them, then it doesn't matter, because they're already, they're already on the cock. I don't think Viacom's going to buy them, because Viacom's my boss, and they're cheap fucks. So that's not going to happen. <laughs> um, they, they barely, I mean, they got to broker the tournament to Turner, because uh, the NCAA overcharged for it. So, um, I mean, you so, you're out one... One media mogul that is out there, Scotty, who could really be the one person to resurrect the WWE, and that, of course, is Byron Allen. Yes, of course. <laughs> Byron Allen, the official ghost producer of Place Mediation's main event. Yes. He's, he's in the background. It's like him and Arsenio. They're in the background yes. right there. Is Byron um, Allen hosting WrestleMania? Coming up next, <laughs> Seth Rollins versus <laughs> Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes. Coming up. <laughs> and then Brandy's gonna cook for us, drunk or not. <laughs> yes. Oh, there would be so much uh, ex- extraneous WWE content on the Byron Allen Network. <laughs> the Byron Allen Network. Allen Network. Who would have thought? Uh, yeah, who would have thunk it? All right. Uh, WWE's new chief. Well, how, how how does they even come up with what? I mean, honestly, have they put anything new on the uh, old school? In the last six months, mm. besides Superstar and, and uh, house shows, they haven't added. I, they, I, I've been. I watch one of my Chrono watches. I mean, I'm in. I watch every. I'm watching because I have a, a Google sheet that I found. Some guy has everything on the network in chronological order, mm. and oh, wow. uh, I'm right now in early '87, and I have not seen them add uh, house shows. That's for sure. Uh, superstar yeah, that year. I know they've done some, no, because the last, the, it seems like all the uploads in the last six months have either been superstars or, or the, or that, or the old school house shows, honestly. Right. They rotate yeah. like every month. They have, they did, they did, uh, add some 87 challenges because I'm watching those right now. Okay. Super, okay. the superstars, yeah, the superstars, I think, has gone 92 back, they, and they kind of backtracked into 91. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, but that good hunk, that good, the good hunk of superstars, 88, 89, 90, they haven't been able, cause that stupid guy owns the fucking copyright to the term superstars of wrestling. And he wants like $87 million or some bullshit. <laughs> take a, take yeah, a, they, you know, they, they just teased us for a good six months of giving us those hidden gems. And then they took us, took them away. It was like, yeah, well, it was almost yeah. ripped my heart out. And they're, they're too well hidden, the, Pete. They're too well hidden. Was, and it canceled. <laughs> and unfortunately, it led to the cancellation of one of the greatest uh, podcasts on this network, Jenny and the Gems. Mm, uh, yeah. you know, poor, poor Drew Wardlaw couldn't find any more classic Stan Hansen <laughs> and Luther matches. So, you know, he wanted to watch uh, Halloween Havoc '90 over and over again. So that was that was his dream match, Stan Hansen and Lex Luger. That was like his dream match right there. Um. So anyway. That's just something. That's a business thing. We'll pay attention to that for you, for our international listeners, as we move ahead. Uh, WWE's new chief of human resources, uh, Suzette Ramirez Carr, was officially introduced to the staff at the meeting. There was some time spent on her background and her goals with the company. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Okay. In regards to uh, WWE chief brand officer Stephanie McMahon and her leave of absence, it was noted 
that she needed time after everything her family has been through over the last year, referring, of course, to my my betrothed's uh, health issues. Uh, But I get the feeling, and he never, you know, he's another guy, kind of reminds me of my buddy Armento. If you ever look at any pictures Nick Khan is in, he never smiles. Nick Khan never smiles. He's not like his his uh, prodigal brother, Rick Moranis, there who can't stop fucking smiling. But Nick Khan never smiles. So, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's... But what is going on here, guys? Uh, I get... Like, Stephanie would never have... If, if I'm sorry. If this was 15 years ago or 10 years ago, let's say it was even 2010, 2011, 2012, and Triple H had health issues, Stephanie would never have left. And Triple H probably is telling her that she shouldn't have left. Uh, she would have stuck there, maybe leaned back a little bit, maybe did some more working from home. Mm-hmm. Triple H is, but something's not right. Well, I Some, mean, I think a lot of it has to fall with him losing power. I mean, that has got to play into it, along with the health right. issues. And the fact, I mean, to me, it's like the writing's on the wall that Vince ain't giving the company to either one of them. Nope. And it's, it's and he's going to sell it. And Nick Khan is going to be part of that that package. And uh, unless, I just don't see it. I'm the only thing that's going to happen is if Stephanie and Hunter are, like, biding their time waiting for Nick Khan to slip up. And that's how it is. It's like almost like a waiting game. Uh, right. That's the only time I see them coming actually back into the company with, like, a full force is if Nick Khan somehow slips up and, you know, loses favor. Uh, and, you know, almost like you got to buy time because that happens a lot in wrestling. But, yeah, it's almost like a shocker. But, I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Stephanie decides, like, you know what? I have enough money. We have enough money. Uh, we're not – there's no there's no reason for us to be as involved as we are if we're not going to become the owners of the company or run it when my father passes away because he's going to sell it. And I think Vince was going to take it. He's going to retire. And then, you know, my buddy Tim goes, yeah, and, a, and then a week later after he retires, he's going to die. I mean, it's – this is what it is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're going to – I'm about to tell another story. Uh, that may have been a Nick Khan slip up, uh, Pete. We'll talk about in a minute pertaining to uh, a WWE pay-per-view coming up in July. Um, what do you think, Nate? Like, am, am I, I don't want to say paranoid because I have no stake in anything, but something's not right. Like, I don't mm. get it. Is, like, the family would never just, like, let's go back to January. The whole Rumble thing with Shane, that also just didn't feel Mm-hmm. Right. All right. I get the whole booking myself shit. All right. I kind of believe that because Shane's kind of like that. But to just like leave. Eh. Now, do we know did Triple H have a health issue? He obviously did. I mean, I don't think Triple H would make that up. I don't think that's Katie Vick. I don't think that's I don't think that's a work. Um, <laughs> but again, I just can't see Stephanie just being like, all right, I'm, I'm done. I mean, this maybe, is this... maybe she maybe did she did look in the also in the mirror and like. I spent all these years trying to prove to my daddy and then he's kind of turning to this guy and maybe it's time. Maybe she's come to the realization that I need to be, I need to be with my family more often than I, my father was with me. I, uh, that's a great point. Mm -hmm. I agree with that because unlike, unlike this situation with Stephanie and triple H and of course their three daughters, Linda 
pretty much stayed in the Northeast. She stayed in Greenwich and their kid, you know, Shane and Stephanie went to Greenwich high. And my, I know <clears> friends who do them. Uh, um, and Vince was Vince. Uh, and let's be honest until the tail, the, the kind of the middle of the attitude era, when Stephanie got involved, did we, fir- do we start seeing Linda? But for the most part, Linda was the stay at home and handle the business, but she never traveled probably much. Um, till maybe when the kids were in college, uh, because they both went to BU a couple years apart, obviously. Uh, but in this situation, you've got Stephanie and Triple H who both traveled, probably drove their kids around. I think they had a, a bus or something, a DX. They had their own personal DX Express. Uh, thank God, thank God, <laughs> yeah, the Steve Austin. One, right? Yeah, thank God, Steve nanny. Austin. You're not, yeah, it's thank God, Steve Austin didn't drop an I beam on it. Um, so maybe, I mean, maybe it's true that this is a different world we live in now and, and wrestling can be handled differently. Um, but something just isn't jiving with me on this, in this whole situation. And it's obviously something we have to pay attention to, obviously over time, because Pete, uh, Nate, you and I've talked about with Steve on past shows that somebody's buying something in the next two or three years. Mm-hmm. And I think this, this bro, this pawning off the network on everybody else is one of the big, I think is one of the big, uh, uh, markers of that. So we'll see, but something just didn't seem, didn't seem right. Yeah. You know? So, uh, yeah, but you're it, right though. Like 10 years ago, no one would have thought Stephanie would have walked away mm-hmm. from nope. the business. And nope. we, we've seen Shane do it now twice in a way, or the second one made it sound like he, you know, he got fired. Um, and then, you know, Hunter with his health and then losing power this week on secession. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it, I, I like think McC- every McMahon like both things can be drama. true at the same time, though, Pete. Like, I feel like there is probably a little truth in all of it where like I could see Stephanie wanting to take a step back, especially at the age that their kids are at. And especially yeah. after coming off of two and a half years of pandemic life. Like I, I could kind of see that from a human standpoint, which is funny to say whenever we talk about the McMahons, cause we rarely view them as human beings. Uh, I could see that, but I also feel like there is a bit of let's, let's lie in the weeds and wait and see what happens yeah, here with, like with, with before. slick Nick. Yeah. Yep. I think the weeds yep. makes a lot of sense because I, you know, Stephanie's been around same with Hunter. It's like, you know mm-hmm. what? Bide our time, someone will screw up, and Vince will need us again, mm-hmm. and we'll be back in the inner circle, and then we'll be back there. So who knows? But they're, 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 I'm sure there's a lot of dynamics that are going on there, and uh, yep. and I also think you know in a way Vince, I think Vince in his way thought he earned the company as opposed to Shane and Stephanie because um, mm-hmm. he technically bought it from his father as opposed to. Um, inheriting it from his father so, like he would be with vince and uh with stephanie or, or as shane or hunter so i think there's also that weird ass dynamic to in, in play yeah and then the right. other thing scotty is you can't have a secession plan if the person at the top of the secession plan never leaves because if we're being realistic like vince should have probably stepped down five or ten years ago and given way to the next generation Correct. Uh, but Vince is going to hold on to this thing until he either sells the company or takes his last breath while running the company. So it's like, how long are 
Stephanie and Hunter, and to a lesser extent, Shane's supposed to wait around. It's it's almost like uh like Stephanie McMahon is Eric Bieniemy, just looking over at Andy Reid, like why won't you <laughs> why won't you just leave, old man? Yeah, you got your ring. Hit the bricks. Yes, or or treadmill. <laughs> one or the other. Um, yeah, no, it's, it, that's a great point, guys. Maybe they're just kind of like maybe Triple H is realizing that 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 I had my window and the old man just mm-hmm. didn't leave. And maybe he I don't think he'll put his money to the to Tony Khan. They're not that. I don't think they're yeah, mad at, no. at Vince for that. But listen, my dream could still come true. You know, Triple H could be sitting home, feet up, checking his echocardiogram, throws on a little uh, little Siamese dream. You know, maybe playing some Smashing Pumpkins going, you know. I like this guy's voice. Maybe he knows something about wrestling. Matt Cardona, that's who we need to build a company around. <laughs> oh, there we go again. <laughs> Matt Cardona, hey, there we go. <laughs> uh, that'd be funny though. If Triple H was Matt Cardona's handpicked guy, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so <laughs> that'd be funny. All right, so let's talk about what could possibly be a slip up by Nick Khan. So, as everyone knows. Fourth of July weekend, Saturday night, July 2nd, the Money in the Bank pay-per-view was slated to be at the Roomba in Vegas. Of course, Allegiant Stadium, home of the Raiders, and where SummerSlam was last year, where I was blessed to be. And that building is fucking gorgeous. If you're a, uh, It's funny, uh, uh, Pete, I have a buddy who's a diehard Raiders fan, and he went there Columbus Day weekend this past season where they lost to your Bears. So, uh, so he, he was sad when he came home, but... Uh, that's an awesome building to watch a football game or to watch anything. That's I mean, I'm I've heard all, any, I've heard great things about it. Yeah, it's a gorgeous building. I, I highly recommend it for both you guys for anything. Wrestling, football, I don't care. College, pro, it's an awesome building. Anyway, there were some rumblings earlier in the week that ticket sales were not doing so hot. And now it is official. The show has moved from... Allegiant Stadium to the MGM Grand Garden. And now it's going to be called Fireworks Havoc. No. Because Roman Reigns is going to tell you to snap into a Slim Jim. No. Uh, <laughs> Slim Jim presents Money in the Bank because that's the only sponsor you can have <laughs> Grand Garden Arena. <laughs> uh, now, here's an interesting thing, guys, to add to this story. The original Money in the Bank poster that came out that said Allegiant Stadium had the following talent on it. Bianca Belair, uh, Becky Lynch, Drew McIntyre, Charlotte, Lashley, Ronda, Brock, and Roman. The new poster that was redone, tickets go on sale next Wednesday for Grand Garden Arena, my birthday, June 1st. Now the poster has the Street Profits, Rhea Ripley, The Miz, Cody, Bianca, and Riddle. So the, the, the fucking poster is completely different in terms of talent. Now, I don't know if that is why they moved the building, because they thought, but to me... This was a, this is, and if he, if this was his idea, this is a huge misstep by Nick Khan. 
for a few reasons. And, I, and I'm going to credit my PIC, Mr. Rosero, because he brought this up in one of our chats uh, over the last couple of days. Number one, this has nothing to do with the quality of the WWE. This has nothing to do with that. Number one, never put a secondary show in a big venue. Mm-hmm. Rumble, Mania, SummerSlam, and if you're feeling frisky, Survivor Series. But even Survivor Series in in November is in Boston at the you know at TD Bank where the where the Celtics and Bruins play. Uh, but do you think number two could have? But uh, I know we'll get. But on Money in the Bank, don't you think they could have turned that into a big pay per view if they didn't run that stupid gimmick into the ground? That and having it right after, right, right before SummerSlam. Yeah, that's like, yeah. yeah, that's that's the other problem. Uh, number two, it's a holiday weekend. Now, before anybody says, well, you know, uh, double or nothing's Sunday, Memorial Day weekend's different because, yeah, it's a holiday weekend, but it's not like the 4th of July. 4th of July weekend, a lot of people, they do travel. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people, though, it's a very homey weekend. People host barbecues. People watch fireworks. It's not as travely a weekend as other holiday weekends are, like Memorial Day and Labor Day. Those are traveling weekends. But they're not as travely as Fourth of July is. They're not they're not travely enough where and as obviously as we know, AEW has put has put shows on both those Sundays before a Monday off day. So mm-hmm. that's different. But WWE slammed a big show right in the middle of a holiday weekend. In a city that's not known for summer, per se. Number three. There's a UFC card that night. So, unlike SummerSlam last year, where Pacquiao fought that same night. Boxing, if this was the 80s, guys, and we're talking Hagler-Hearns, you know, that's different. But, or Tyson and Trevor Burbick, or some other guy that he knocked out in a minute. Uh (laughs) Um, that's different. <laughs> boxing is not boxing is not UFC. So UFC is going to get that crowd. And number four, Vegas. right. And number four, three weeks right after that, you have SummerSlam in a building, mm-hmm. in a big building down at Nissan in, in Nashville. So you're, you can't do two stadium shows. In the same month. That's that's bad business. That's bad business. And somebody should have told Nick Khan. Because I think. Yes I know. Vince is the last say. Yada yada yada. But come on guys. Let's be honest. Vince can barely crane his neck. Unless they. He's like. He's like a cyborg. Uh, Nate. I've, I've been watching Doom Patrol. It's like <laughs> cyborg. You, know, you got to shut him off. You got to reboot him. So mm-hmm. while the rebooting. While the diagnostics going on. Nick Khan makes all these decisions. And then when Vince wakes up, he says, ah, we're good. We're good. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Go buy Vince is still time. recovering from that stunner in Mania. Exactly. Where he almost <laughs> lost. Trying to I'm, get surprised up. I'm surprised he didn't rip his quads on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. So, I mean, seriously, Nate, this was just a bad. This isn't like WrestleMania 7 where, I mean, they tried to fit 100,000 at a time when the when the roster was. Mm-hmm. Um. This was just a bad business decision. And somebody should have told Nick Khan, I don't care what how high he is in the pecking order, putting a secondary pay-per-view in a stadium on a holiday weekend up against UFC mm-hmm. and three weeks away from another stadium show 
is a bad idea. Yeah. If you're if you're going to do that, it can't be in a place like Vegas. And this is not a disrespect to Vegas, but it's got to be in a place with a a fan base that you know isn't going anywhere. Like it's tightly packed, like a place where people have nothing else to do is what I'm trying to say, Scotty. Where you have right. a, a bit of a bit of a captive audience. Like if you were going to do this show, uh, like it would need to be like Rhode <laughs> Island. Yeah, I was gonna say like somewhere like in the northeast where people have nothing to do. Like this needs to be one of those shows where this is the event of the weekend for that city. Where in Vegas, it might not even be the top three event that weekend, Scotty. You know, you right. just mentioned the UFC, and you're like, I think I feel like, and this is no disrespect to the performers, because as we mentioned, like the roster might be as talented as it's ever been at this very moment, but it feels like you're overestimating not only the brand right now, but also like not only are we a couple weeks away from SummerSlam after this show, but I feel like people are still kind of recovering from WrestleMania in a way, Scott. And this, this show feels very much like it needs to kind of be a true second tier show. And you tried to make it a front a first tier show. It's like it's like one of Pete's favorite movies, Mean Girls, where where Gretchen it tries to make Fetch happen, and one of her friends, Scott, has to say, "Gretchen, stop it! You're not gonna make Fetch a thing." And I feel like Nick Khan tried to make Fetch a thing here with this show, and he overestimated the appeal of not only the brand but also like where people are at right now and 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 in in that town when it comes to the events. Yeah, and also look at AEW. They only won what four pay per views, maybe mm-hmm. five a year. I mean, so that's more of a that's. I mean, that all their shows are big deals because only they're only a handful happen. While WWE runs eleven to twelve a year, so it's a mm-hmm. big difference. So, and we've been seeing how diluted a lot of the WWE shows have been coming when it comes to. I mean, hell, what was it? The, was the last one they had the six man tag at the main event? Backlash, that, yeah. So, I mean, they're getting diluted on top of it. So, yeah, he definitely doesn't uh, – I don't think he – I, I I think he had way too much uh, positive thinking of his brand, uh, being able to draw on, on a B-level show. And I think you, you mentioned the big thing with the timing, Scotty. Like, if this were a month away from SummerSlam, okay, that's one thing. But – Two weeks away, like, I don't even know why you would put this show here, given the storyline significance of Money in the Bank. You'd at least want to give people a month to be fooled into thinking we could get a cash in at SummerSlam, even though it probably won't happen. I think Scott Scott, Scott turned off the mic in disgust. (laughs) <laughs> Scott Scott is standing in solidarity with Nick. Oh, Kyle. there I am. You got me? Yeah. You're, you're back All from right, your protest. You, you after me yeah. and Pete badmouth Nick Khan. I, I had to take care of uh I had to bring uh I had to bring Triple H's dinner, his chicken a la king. <laughs> uh so, sorry, his chicken a la king of kings. Ah! <laughs> no. Um so no, my uh, my uh cord my uh Thing. Um, did you bring you did you bring him a saddle and say it's time to try the romaine? It's try the try. It's time to try the romaine. Oh god! It's all about uh, the romaine and how you toss it, it. and how you. T- 
<laughs> wow. <laughs> kind of like those jokes when you used to say, I like to bang the skins. No. Um, so the other thing is, uh, like, you know, WWE's going up against uh, AEW Labor Day weekend because that Saturday they're doing that show in Cardiff in Wales. That's different. You're in another country. I mean, that's that's different. That's, that's and it's another draw. night. Right, and that's going to draw also. And that's a market that's not been saturated. Right. Exactly. Right. It's fresh. And it's going to be free. And it's going to be free. Mm-hmm. So, and you have McIntyre on top of it, too. You can draw in that country. Exactly. Yeah. That's his turf. So that's not going to be a problem. Uh, and somebody said, oh, uh, will, this hurt, will this hurt Vegas for WrestleMania? Absolutely not. Now, Pete no. and I, if you listen to our episode, our last episode, uh, Pete and I, you and I talked about Mania in Vegas and how I feel that could even be a little problematic based on, you know, the bevy of indie shows. Because even Dallas, and you even said this, Pete, Dallas, well, you're from that neck of the woods, so it didn't bother yeah. you. But a lot of people that aren't familiar probably had issues bouncing around from indie show. If, you're, if your indie show wasn't at WrestleCon, it might have been hard finding all these weird warehouses and shit where all, these, where all this stuff is. <laughs> I had no idea, and I swear to God, Pete, I don't know if I said this in the la- with you on the last episode. I had no idea that Fair Park was at the Cotton Bowl. I had no fucking clue. Mm. I, got there, I, I mean, I didn't like, know that until we got there, to <laughs> tell you the truth. I mean. Yeah. I'm like, holy shit, the Cotton Bowl. This is fucking great. Yeah. And I got a picture yeah. of the Cotton you know, Bowl. You know, sports fan as a kid, one of my favorite bowl games. So, um, And, of course, Oklahoma, Texas used to play there. Um, oh, yeah. Big time. Oh, yeah. You know, fair. Now it's at Jerry's house. Um. Uh, so, but, you know, again, everybody stays in the strip. Now, now that they have that monorail thing, the Vegas convention center is probably going to be where WrestleCon would be. So a lot of that, a lot of those shows, obviously, uh, guys that, that, uh, a lot of the indie shows that are at that facility will help. But if there's others that are kind of on the outliers of Vegas, it might be hard because people may not be as open to traveling outside of the strip. You know, mm-hmm. so totally agree. yeah, so so Vegas may not be maybe good for just WrestleMania, but I don't know. A lot of indie may 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 want to may struggle with it, but that's another topic for another day. Anyway, the point is the city is not the reason why the show is not happening that it's the it's the fact that it's all these other variables. It's it's not a holiday. It's not a holiday conducive to vegas like people don't think of that for vegas plus it's probably gonna be hot as fuck um secondly ufc is there and they're gonna draw better mm-hmm. uh thirdly it's uh you're again SummerSlam in a giant football stadium at nissan in, in nashville is only four weeks after that or three weeks after that so or four weeks something like that there's five saturdays in july uh Money in the Bank's the first one, and SummerSlam's the last one. But it's technically still in the same month. Yeah. So it's just it was just bad. It was just a bad idea. Bad idea by uh, uh, by uh, WWE to to try to pull that off. I just I just think it was a it was a stupid idea. But but of course you know what they're gonna say. See, I told you. You know, Nick Khan's telling uh, Vince. See, I told you Cody Rhodes couldn't couldn't draw. Uh, <laughs> see. Stupid asshole made us go into his little place. Maybe he maybe he meant that, and he wanted to go into his uh, his real company's building, a team. Of, no, it's not. Um, <laughs> imagine that. No. Um, so anyway, uh, that's you know that's neither here nor there. 
the other big new the other big story we'll talk about with the flamethrower has to do with uh naomi and sasha uh they're the women's tag team champions and they apparently walked out and wwe is not chasing them this time uh i'm confused because Uh, it seemed like Sasha and Naomi really got put over big at WrestleMania. Sasha finally broke her losing streak at WrestleMania. So her and Naomi have titles. They're on cloud nine. Now, Sasha did this before where she wanted to take her ball. She wanted to pull a Steve Austin 2002 and take her ball and go home. That time it might've been justified. But a lot of people, I think this is very confusing, guys, but I have seen both sides on social media that are saying, oh, you know, they just, you know, they're being mistreated again. Da, da, da. And other people are like, why is she throwing another temper tantrum? Why? Because she doesn't, she's not Rhonda. She's not Charlotte. She's not Becky. She's not Bianca. She has to be world champion or else. Kind of like, as I call it, the fucking John Moxley mentality. Either put mm-hmm. me on top. So that's, so I've seen both, both sides, uh, of the issue on on social media, what do you think, Nate? I don't. I don't. Do we really know what's going on here? Is this Sasha just crying because you know throwing a temper tantrum because she's not on top, or is there something more going on here? We're not. We're not knowing. Yeah, this is just strange to me because, I, and I think like Sasha and Naomi walking out isn't the strange part because, as you mentioned, like we've seen this before, not only in wrestling in general, but in this company. You know, you talk about Moxley, you talk about HBK, you talk about Austin, you know, CM Punk. Like, we've seen this over the years, but the way the company addressed it so directly felt different. You know, when they had the thing on SmackDown, like, it felt, like, even, like, Pat, you could tell how uncomfortable Pat McAfee was in the moment uh, when, when him and Cole had to relay the message. And it, at first, I thought it was a work, you know, just because... I'm like, yeah, I've, I'm, I've been watching this all my whole life. Pete, you can't fool me, Vince McMahon. Like, this has got to be a work. But then it's like, no, this this, this is real. But I also don't get the reasoning behind it. Like, from the Sasha and Naomi standpoint, like, I thought they were being booked fairly well. Uh, like, you know, I, we don't know what they were asked to do before the show where they walked out. But... I thought they were being booked fairly well, but if they felt differently, you know, I could understand that. But then I think my bigger issue is with the company because it feels like it feels like they are going out of their way to kind of paint the talent in a bad light, which is something I haven't really seen them do out of storyline before. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where right. they're like the Sasha and Naomi really let the audience down and and then they're like they're really trying to get the sympathy on the company side and the company might be in the right in this we don't know but just but the way it's so that they... hard for the company to get sympathy when they don't when they always I mean on the reg uh, yes. don't uh, deliver on and advertise matches I mean yep. that argument is so straw man it's ridiculous and that's why like it feels it feels uh, maybe a bit tone deaf Scotty because it's like if Let's say let's let's say for the sake of argument, this is 100% on Sasha and Naomi. 
even if that is true, I feel like the company hasn't handled it in the best way because they've got people asking questions and it's not for like a storyline reason. It's for like what's going on in real life because this seems weird and out of place. Mm. Yeah, I I kind of I what do you think, Pete? Well, I'm all for protecting yourself and you know, right now they're not booking Sasha like a star, but by God, mm-hmm. she's a star. I mean, she has charisma. She does great ratings. She has a huge fan base. Mm-hmm. And you know what? If you're not going to protect, if the company's not going to protect you in the booking or making you do stuff that makes sense, um, then you need to stick up for yourself. And we saw it with Stone Cold when it made no sense for him in the walkout when they wanted him to lose the Lesnar with no build. What it sounds like what they wanted to do was these guys were going to go and end up uh, going fa- facing Ronda and, I guess, Bianca in separate matches or something, and then they're going to lose. And then they, all that does is cheapen the tag. Why, why should the tag champions be split up and then just to lose to them? That makes no sense because um, there's enough people on the roster. They, they, they already have enough of a depth issue as it is. Mm-hmm. Um so, I mean, if, you, if you're not, if, you know, I, like Stone Cold all the time says a lot of these guys w- were just happy with what they're getting or happy with the scraps that they're getting. And if you perceive yourself as a star, and I know Sasha does, and I view her as a star, um, she, 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 should do, she should protect herself. Because, if, again, the company isn't going to do her any favors and, and protect her uh, or treat her like Roman or whoever. It, it, you should try to, you need to do, you need to uh, have the leverage. And, and Sasha has leverage. I mean, we've, we've seen that. Uh, we can, she can say, fuck off. I'm going to go do a season of The Mandalorian. I'm going to mm-hmm. do season four of The Mandalorian or whatever. You know, it's like, right. yeah, I have other avenues. I don't need you. I can go to AEW. I can do this. I could work a shimmer. I mean, there's all these different things or stardom or whatever. Um, for her, she, she can do a lot of stuff. The girl has a lot of charisma. She could probably catch on on a TV show. Uh, I'm just using the Mandalorian since she was on that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've seen some of these girls do these only fan pages and make a lot of money or their Twitch services. I mean, so they don't need the company as much as the company thinks they do. If if the fans perceive you as a star, and I think the fans do perceive Sasha as a star. And to real quick on your point about the tag belts, I feel like. They by doing this, the company has further devalued the tag belts because at least yes. with Sasha and Naomi, we finally had tag champions that maybe could elevate the belt. Uh, but now we're having this tournament where we're gonna have nothing but these makeshift teams that have no connection with the audience, Pete. Yep. And and good for Naomi by, by sticking with her, you know. Uh, it could, could have cheapened everything by her staying and, and mm-hmm. Sasha leaving or vice versa. And Naomi kind of has, but I mean, let's, I mean, not to, I'm not, uh, I'm not, I'm playing devil's advocate here, but you know, Naomi's husband, uh, you know, is in the biggest faction of the company right now. And he's got the, he's got the guy behind him. So no, I mean, are you wrong, Pete? Absolutely not. But let's, let's not kid ourselves that Naomi, you know, doesn't have a security blanket (laughs) either. So she 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 totally does, but it also puts her family in a bad position. Sure, absolutely. I'm not disagreeing with you on that. I, not at all. Um, 
Because don't, don't tell me. I mean, I'll tell you. She definitely talked. Like, she had to have talked that over with her husband mm-hmm. and uh, before walking out. Because I mean, I mean, hell, I'm not married, but if I spent, I'm sure <laughs> I'd have to explain explain my two hundred bucks at the strip club if I was uh, to my wife or whatever. You know, it, it, I mean, that's how it is. That's how you yeah. are in a relationship. Yep. And another thing too, Scott. Like I feel like a lot of people are focusing on Sasha and Naomi while. We're ignoring something that we've all had gripes about for at least a decade, if not longer. And that is Vince McMahon's proclivity to change stuff the day of. And that's something yes. I, like I get it that, you know, Sasha, Naomi and all these other performers make more make more money than most of us. But just think about your own job. Like, how would you react if week every Monday your boss had a plan for you and then. At 10 o'clock Monday morning, he completely changed it. And he did that every week. Like, after a while, you're like, do I really want to stay here and work for this dude? Right. No, I, I could see that. Sure. No, absolutely. We don't have to deal with that, fortunately. Well, I don't. But, I mean, I'm yeah. sure. Well, that's I'm the other sure thing, too. Like, 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 uh, like Pete, Pete was saying, like, Sasha and, to a lesser extent, Naomi, like, they have leverage because they have options. Whereas, you know, and this is no disrespect on, th- on this performer, but somebody like a Nikki Ash or somebody like a Dana Brooke or the the girls Dewdrop. in NXT, Dewdrop, like their options are limited right now. So you 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 can get away with what you can get away with based on your leverage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I think a lot of people, though, also look at this as once again, Sasha's mm-hmm. wants to be at the top and being where she is now is not good enough for her. So what you know, it it but others are like once again she's being disrespected. So it's yeah. it is hard to explain. It is hard to kind of balance. And I do uh, think, and this is not everybody, but I do feel like as guys in general, we kind of look at it a little bit differently when it comes from a female versus like if this was Punk. Like when because when Punk had his grievances, I know most of the dudes that that watched wrestling around that time were like, hell yeah, you know what I mean? Like screw the boss. Screw the company, but I feel like it might be different when it's a woman doing it, just because typically we it's have totally not different thought, women. Yeah, thought it's, of women it's, in that totally. way. Yeah, no, there's the uh, misogynist think, thinking. No, it's without a doubt. I mean, when Benoit and that crew left WCW, mm-hmm. everyone was all, all for it because it was like, yeah, fuck those guys, don't understand their talent and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I I think it's very similar. That I think that's really similar here. Well, I think Punk's a great example. They're both. I think Sasha and Punk are cut from the same mold. Mm. Mm. Which, which um, means if Naomi ever gets into a lawsuit with Sasha, watch your back. <laughs> <laughs> Call Colton, ask for advice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um, uh, now, could would Naomi uh, would uh, Naomi and uh, Sasha upgrade AEW's women's division? Yes. Yeah. Oh hell yeah! Anybody from and, anywhere would upgrade their women's division. And to- Tony would sign her, uh, Sasha especially in a heartbeat. Yeah, Sasha absolutely. could headline a AEW pay per view with with Britt right off the bat easily. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And Thunder. Uh, yeah. And yeah. listen, yeah. having somebody like Sasha there would 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 upgrade a a Britt Baker or a Thunder Rosa yeah. or a, or a, a Tay Conti or anybody like that. So, yeah, yep. Sasha like, she'd be like bringing a Punk or Danielson into the women's division, and not yep. only would she upgrade the women's division, but she would make the company more yeah. viable because she does have a Q rating. You know. 
Mm-hmm. However, her name would be Smasha Lendinghouse. <laughs> Smasha or Sasha with a C, like Sasha Baron Cohen. Sasha Lendinghouse. Sasha Credit Union. <laughs> Sasha Credit Union, yes. <laughs> or, uh, or she'd be like the porn star, B A N X X. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> oh, God, that's great. All right, so there's our there's our uh, our flamethrower news. Uh, let's go to one of our other favorite beloved uh, promotions, and that is Impact. They have their next big uh, pay per view is coming up June nineteenth, uh, Father's Day weekend, uh, Slammiversary taking place. But they've got some other uh, they've got some other uh, shows coming up as well, guys. Um, uh, they officially announced their Against All Odds. There we go, Nate. Bringing back an older old school show. <laughs> um, uh, Against All Odds will be Friday, July 1st at 8 o'clock from Center Stage in Atlanta. It's going to be one of those secondary shows. So it'll be live on uh, Impact Plus uh, and YouTube for the Ultimate Insiders. Then that weekend, they'll be in uh, uh, in Atlanta. That's Saturday night, the same night as Money in the Bank. For Southern Hostility, which will be, uh, looks like, sounds like it's going to be some impact tapings and, for TV tapings. And then uh, in a couple of weeks after that, Friday, July 15th and Saturday, July 16th, will be the Derby City Rumble. And it will take place at Old Forster's Paris Town Hall in Louisville, Kentucky. Do you know where that is, Pete? Mm-hmm. No, but that's oh, I know where Louisville, Kentucky is, but that's well, so small, yeah. small potato <laughs> you know where Louis show. Place. Yeah. And those will, those will also be Impact TV episodes. So uh, once again, guys, Impact is just doing a really great job of putting out a nice product, staying in their lane, Nate, and just keeping the keeping the good times going. They're looking really good right now in that in that aspect. Their talent is getting over. We like Josh Alexander as champion. He's he's facing Eric Young at Slammiversary. We'll we'll uh, we'll go over that pay per view in a few weeks. Um, you know, I've been an Eric it, Young guy, honestly. Uh, I think they tried to do with Eric Young in the mid 2010s. They tried to do with, uh, they tried to do the same thing with Daniel Bryan yeah. and it sort of worked in their own little bubble. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Um, but anyway, impact continues to, uh, you know, kind of keep their, keep themselves moving along. Um, so that's roster kind of, full of good workers, and, and it mm-hmm. seems like their booking's getting better, you know? Yep, yep. So just yeah. to recap. Impact for me is a good Ben show. Like, I I have way too much going on with work and with the shows and with AEW. Like, AEW and, to a lesser extent, much lesser extent, WWE are the can't-miss shows of the week because that's what people are going to be talking about. Uh, but Impact, like, I'll load up on a month's worth of Impact, Scotty. And then yep. when I get like a two day weekend, I'll just watch a bunch of it. Uh, and, it and it's always good. Right. Yeah, no, it is. It absolutely is. Uh, speaking of Slammiversary, here is the card for the moment. Again, it is uh, it's Father's Day weekend, June 19th in uh, uh, in Nashville, where everybody's. Oh, yeah. Slammiversary. The Father's Day tradition continues. It's right. <laughs> yes. Right now, there's just three. Uh, three matches uh as mentioned josh alexander will defend the impact world title against eric young there's a queen of the mountain match for the uh jeff jarrett should be proud 
for the Impact Knockouts yeah. title. Tasha Steeles will defend against Jordan Grace, Mia Yim, uh, Deanna Perrazzo, and Chelsea Green. And then in the uh, another Ultimate X match for the uh, X Division title. Kenny King, Ace Austin will defend against Kenny King, my boy Mike, uh, uh, Speedball Mike Bailey, who I mm -hmm. uh, became one of my personal favorites, uh, Mania Weekend. Trey Miguel just, and the guy. got married, didn't he? Yeah, I think he did. And uh, and Alex Shelley, who he wrestled uh, at that show, that uh, multiverse of matches, and the show was pretty damn awesome. So yeah, that, that's um, going to be a hell of a hell of a match, the Ultimate X match. Yes, and two challengers still to be determined. So yeah, and you are correct. He did get married. He got married to uh, um, the she was announcing over Mania weekend. Veda Scott. Yes, yes, yes. Yep. She's actually a pretty good announcer. Yeah, so. she's really good. I could, yeah, congratulations good. to those crazy kids. Yeah, to the Baileys. To the Baileys. To the Speedballs. To the Speedballs. Mr. and Mrs. Speedball. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Speedball. Uh, no surprise here. A uh, little NWA news. They have added Aaron Stevens uh, versus Trevor Murdoch for uh, mm -hmm. uh, for Always, always Ready. Uh, which is, of course, happening on Saturday night, June 11th from Knoxville. Of course, you can go to the Place to Be Nation uh, Twitch uh, channel, and we will be doing live alternate commentary that night. Myself, the doctor, uh, Sean Kidd will probably join us, Callum McDougal. Guys, you're always more than welcome to join us. The more the merrier. Uh, NWA is so much fun to watch. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a great old-school Southern vibe. I, I really dig it. And I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe, uh, maybe I might have my boss while I'm feeding him his his chicken noodle soup. Uh, maybe I'll buy him the uh, all that the uh, Fight TV All Access package and tell him, "Hey, I'll something for you to watch here." You know, <laughs> there you go. Um, there you go. Uh, but uh, yeah, so check that Mr. out. There. Rising. Yes, Mister <laughs> Rising. Yes. I don't know. You want to bring back the purple robe? Huh? I know you lost <laughs> it in 2002, but you know. Um, so anyway. But that's coming up June 11th, uh, big weekend here at uh, the PTB Wrestling Network. Of course, join us on the Place to Be Nation Twitch channel that weekend. That's Saturday night for alternate commentary during the always ready uh, NWA pay-per-view. Uh, all right, guys, let's uh, dive into the big stuff, uh, the big news, the main event, if you will, of the main event. And let's go to Sunday night uh, from uh, Las Vegas from the T-Mobile Arena. Um, before we do that, though, I got a quick little thing here. Uh, this was uh, earlier in the week. Tony Khan had his media call. Uh, he held his call with the pro wrestling media. I love how he treated it like it's ESPN. To hype up the pay-per-view. Here were some of his points. Uh, he asked about MJF. Khan said that he has taken his on-screen opportunities to air some grievances that happened off-screen. So that's true. He thinks the relationship between AEW... And Warner Media Discovery is going to be a good one following the merger. He reveals that some executives are going to come hang out with AEW next week and even throw them a party after their L.A. debut at the Forum. He also adds that he's received really good feedback from the network about their programming. I don't think there was a surprise there. Regarding Punk, Khan says he didn't want to just throw Punk into the main event scene. He wanted to give Punk the opportunity to work his way up. Answering a separate question on Punk, Khan says that he has been a great mentor to young talent, even watching back their matches without being asked. Uh, ticket sales for Double or Nothing have exceeded a million dollars. That's good to know. When asked about the audience, Khan says he'll continue to develop new talent as well as treating other talent well so that new recruits and free agents may want to join and help the company build. 
talking about ROH, stating he didn't want to complicate the sale when the opportunity to buy it arose, which is why he bought it himself and not through another company. He adds that Supercard of Honor did 20 times the pay-per-view buys of the last ROH shows. And, th- and that's true because that was a good show. He hopes for ROH to stand on its own and has spoken with Warner Media about ROH's future, including holding up their pay-per-view schedule. Uh, Nate, anything about those notes uh, you want to you want to bring up? Anything? Any thoughts? Yeah, nothing too surprising uh, coming out of those notes. Uh, although I will uh, point out that not only is the professor uh, Chris from LA in Vegas this weekend. Uh, but he will be at the forum show, so we'll have an inside man. Uh, oh, beautiful! For for all things AEW here in the near future. Uh, but I, I, I mean, he did, uh, and you can check it out on his Twitter. I'm not telling tales out of school. He did <laughs> miss the uh, media call today because he was <laughs> he he had the wrong time, and I'm I, I I had to tell him, Chris, you you live in Los Angeles, like how did you miss the time? And he thought. Tony was telling the time on East Coast time. I was like, oh, Chris, (laughs) you had one job, brother. Uh, But we had a good laugh about that. But in terms of the news that came out of that call, I think maybe the most significant, even though it might not be surprising, is in terms of the relationship with uh, the new bosses. Because, you know, for anybody that's a fan of – Warner content, particularly the CW, they had a bloodbath about a week ago. Yes, they did. Where they canceled 10 shows uh, yes, over the did. span of two weeks. And so a lot of people that follow those shows plus watch AEW were like, well, what does this mean for AEW? And, you know, some of them want to ask me because uh, they know I follow both Scotty. And I'm like, I don't feel like this is bad news for AEW because I feel like AEW is seen as something that is a money-making venture even now versus mm-hmm. some of those shows which were good but they weren't really bringing in revenue uh and so i think discovery kind of wanted to put its stamp on things i think it, it is advantageous to both parties to keep the relationship going forward and it wouldn't surprise me if we got some roh pay-per-views slash specials uh under the under the banner of the new regime so that, that's good news to hear going forward mm-hmm. Pete, anything uh, stick out in your mind? Stick out for you here? No, not really. <laughs> Spoken like J.R. Sidio Tomato. <laughs> <laughs> nah. <laughs> um, speaking of, before we get to the uh, to the double or nothing pay per view, before we finish up, I guess our indie talk, uh, gentlemen uh, and listeners, as you know, the sheriff uh, travels all around to find the best talent and the best stories for us. So, Pete, you were at a show this past weekend. Yeah, I was on May 21st, actually. Yeah, I think it was Saturday. And uh, yeah, I went down to Houston uh, for the uh, new Texas Pro uh, promotion. Uh, and then the show is called Astral World. So if you're from Houston, that was a big uh, amusement park thing uh, right by the uh, Astrodome. And, uh, and I don't think it's there anymore. But I, I went down there. It was a solid show, good main event. Uh, they made it, they built it up pretty good. And the guy named Brian Keith, who's got a, uh, got a rep about him, and Mysterious Q, and they're both uh, Booker Q students. They had a really good, good match, about a good three and a half, three and three four star match. A little, 
a little too many uh, finishing spamming for my taste, but I, I really liked that. I thought they had a really good hard-fought match. Um, they had this gal named Hyen versus Rachel Rose, and Rachel Rose was a good match. Rachel Rose does a... Um, they, they, they're doing, like, I guess... I, I wasn't real privy to it, uh, but I guess she does almost like a Games of Thrones gimmick in a way, because mm-hmm. uh, she, she'd walk... And they all these guys would get down on their knee because they're bending to the knee type stuff. So I thought that ah. was kind of kind of a neat little thing. Then they actually had AEW's Dante Martin was on the show, and he wrestled a guy named ASF who um, got a got a got a buzz about Mania Week on one of, on the USA versus Lucha show, and um, they had his spot got went real viral. But the match didn't click because Dante Martin is a flyer. ASF is five foot three and he's a flyer. And neither one of them were, I mean, so Dante had to be doing basing and no one wants to see Dante Martin base for anybody. Mm. They want, they want to see <laughs> it was moves. Timing was off. Um, so yeah, just the match just didn't click for me. And then there was another funny, funny, good match was the Killer Kate. Uh, versus Aaron Mercer uh, intergender match, which I'm I'm not an intergender match guy. I ain't gonna lie, I I, I hate him. Uh, but this one was actually worked really well, and they did a good job with it. Um, overall, I thought it was a fun show. A little dumpy ass arena, and they did a I guess there's a place called Loco Wrestling runs the same arena, and so they ran an angle mm-hmm. to set up a big interpromotional match on the uh, Texas Indie Showcase sometime in July. So. Um, I, I wonder how that's going to work since both promotions use a lot of the same talent. So I guess you, they're going to have to pick sides or, or whatever. Who knows? Um, but yeah, it was a little fun little show. But I've, I've gone to a local wrestling show and it's BYOB in that building. So it was a lot wilder when it's BYOB than it was uh, the show I went to on, on Saturday. Mm. Well, uh, I don't have anything for me uh, coming up. Uh, do I have any wrestling shows coming up? I don't know. Uh, I Obviously, I'm hoping to see where uh, NWA 74 will be, because if they, if, they if they run the same weekend they did last year, it would be the last weekend in August. Last year, they were in St. Louis. They did it at the Chase. The two pay-per-views were great, but the power tapings out of it were not great. I mean, they, they did shows for like two months and... By like the sixth episode, it was the the, the the energy level was really flat. So I'm hoping that, uh, but these tapings they've done in Nashville, out of the Crockett Cup, have been awesome. Uh, so I, I hope that they kind of stick to that and have you know some pretty killer uh, uh, killer tapings out of wherever they go. But but I agree with you, Nate. Like you say, AEW should try the Mid Atlantic area. I'd like to see the NWA stretch out to the Northeast. There were rumors. Uh, we had, uh, when I had Dave Lagana on before that all happened, uh, Dr. G and I talked to him and he said off the cuff that before the pandemic, they were planning to do some house shows in, um, here in the Northeast. They were going to do Philly. They were going to do, um, Nassau Coliseum out on the Island. They were going to be, they were going to be local right before the pandemic hit. And then of course they had to change everything. Uh, there is a rumor from what we've heard, uh, NWA does not want to do Philly because they don't want to have to deal with like that a that ECW kind of history vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, so which is a bummer because I would love to see them do Philly because Philly's a great city for for wrestling and food and other entertainment. 
uh, don't care much about their sports teams, but, uh, but, uh, <laughs> but, 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 uh, uh, as, uh, as, as you guys both very well know about my football team, uh, the other, uh, but there is a rumor that, that, uh, um, Billy would like to do, uh, Hammerstein, mm. uh, which would be kind of, uh, kind of neat. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be kind of neat. I, I would, uh, that would be pretty awesome actually, at least for me, because, um, you know, I don't have to fly anywhere. So that'd be kind of cool. Uh, so we'll see that as an ECW mark, you know, right. Yeah, I could see that too. Uh, you know, so we'll see the, I know the NWA is, is very good about their, you know, about how to spend their money and, you know, they're, yeah, they're being yeah. very, they're being very frugal. And, frugal, yeah, uh, that's exactly the word I was about to say. Yeah. Yeah. They're not. <laughs> They're not cheap. They're just they're just they're kind of doing the right thing. And mm-hmm. and, you know, <laughs> they're fiscally responsible. Exactly. Fiscally. Re- that's a great way to put it. Uh, so. All right, guys, let's get to our uh, last segment, which is, of course, previewing the big show this mm. Sunday uh, from the uh, T-Mobile Arena, home of the uh, of the Golden Knights. And that is, of course, double or nothing. And after being there the first time in 2019, uh, the next two shows were, of course, in uh jacksonville because of uh of the vid uh but they are back in paradise or i don't know why they call it paradise i guess it's technically vegas because i mean t-mobile is right on the strip i don't know why they call it that but anyway so we have 11 matches 10 of them on the pay-per-view so this is gonna be another fucking five hour fucking (laughs) pay-per-view nine of these 11 matches will be 39 minutes um but but anyway but anyway you know what it's almost like they try so much you know it's like god dude i mean not every match needs to be uh, try to be uh epic you know god i i and i like these shows don't get me wrong but i can't sit and do it in one sitting i gotta break them up uh almost like i I gotta take almost takes me three days to get through a pay-per-view uh because they've just burned me out, you know. I don't, I don't understand how some of these. Maybe it's a different culture nowadays. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, I'm a firm believer in let building your card, but here it's like everyone's trying to top each other to the point where eventually it's going to turn out how like Ring of Honor did, where AEW has a reputation of of a promotion that puts on great wrestling matches, and eventually they're not going to be able to top themselves, and they're going to become like mm-hmm. how what, how Ring of Honor did towards the end of their thing when they were first known as the work rate promotion eventually it was just you know they just couldn't top what they were doing anymore right yeah. exactly i think the one thing that gives them protection uh pete is something you mentioned earlier is that they're only doing four or five of these a year yeah because i think if they were doing this every month it would have we would have been past the point of being burnt out by these shows but yes. i feel like they're and and you talked about kind of the crowd that goes to these shows like it feels more like an event because there's only four of them a year or five of them a year. So I think like they can get away with it for now, but I would like to see them rein it in a bit. I totally agree. And like, it almost like they, uh, it's like they're just throwing so much, like almost like Tony Khan wants to have a match of the year contender on every freaking mm-hmm. match. And it's like, that's right. not a, that doesn't make a great show. I mean, according to Dave Meltzer, it does, but it doesn't, that doesn't make uh, you got to have ebbs and flows and, 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 you know, let things breathe. And a lot of times everything is followed up. Oh, wait, we got a four-star match. Oh, followed up with a four and a quarter-star match. So you don't even <laughs> remember what happened there. You know, it's like breathe, st- take a breath. 
Let it settle. Put a match. What, what Pete is saying, Tony Khan, really is doesn't we... matter so we can think about the consequences of what happened, you know? What right. Pete is saying, Tony, is that we need a QT Marshall match on every show just to give the <laughs> audience a chance to recover. <laughs> <laughs> we need a squat. We need a six minute squash somewhere. Yes, in this we need that QT spot on every show. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, God. All right, guys. So. It's 11 matches total. Ten of them mm. will be on the show. And then one dark match. The dark match, or as they call it, the buy-in match, or whatever the hell it is, Hookhausen, which is Hook, baby baby Taz, and Danhausen, who I still mm. don't get. I've met him in person. I still don't get him. Uh, against Tony Nese, NXT guy, and smart Mark Sterling. So that's... <laughs> yeah, I don't get I don't get Danhausen either, so that's two of us. So. All right, I, I don't... I mean, he seems kind of, you know, all right, he's a weird guy with face paint. Didn't that happen like 30 years ago? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he's all right. I saw him in an indie show at a brewery. You know, it was kind of cool. But, I mean, it's, you know, all right, whatever. All right, so here we go. Uh, we have a singles match for the uh, AEW TBS championship. Uh, arguably one of my, like, five favorite women's wrestlers right now, Jade Cargill, who's still undefeated. Defending against Anna Jay. And I got to be honest. I know we've done, we've dealt, and we've talked about this a lot, Nate, over the past several episodes. Um, we've talked a lot over the, over the years about undefeated streaks, you know, Takers mm. and Goldberg. One thing I will say that AEW has done very well is handled Jade Cargill not losing. Because every match she's in feels big. She's, she's, you know, they go back and forth, but she's kind of dominant. It's just a ton of fun, and they've been very impressive in making that that uh, uh, streak feel important. I think she keeps the belt here. I think it'll be a fun little match, but I think she retains. Yeah, like Jade obviously retains here. I think, you know, we, we just talked, Pete, about Maybe give us some shorter matches. I think this will be a shorter match. You know, they'll give Jade enough time to shine, give Anna some spots here and there. But I feel like this will be probably the shortest match on the main card because it needs to be. Uh, and it's not because the women aren't talented, but because of the way that they've built Jade, Anna Jay should not be some formidable task. Fuck um, oh, no. I feel like this will be a bit of a sprint. And I do like, uh, you know, the little wrinkle that they've added to Jade now with uh, Kira Hogan and uh, Red Velvet. You know, I, I like that she's got a bit of a stable now. And I could see this undefeated streak running for a while just because I don't feel like they've built anybody up yet uh, that should end it. And I don't think Jade's reached her peak yet. Like, that's I think that's the crazy thing, Pete. You know, Jade feels like a star and she's still pretty green so i feel like yeah, she's got she's a lot totally of room green. to grow oh yeah she, i mean she'll, she'll she's gonna get it eventually and and that's the thing i mean you gotta that's the thing like you know dave Meltzer's mentioned it they almost gotta trot her out on tv because she's a ratings draw and mm -hmm. now because she's gotten over and uh yeah the, the, this match should go four to five minutes with jade pretty much ragdolling all of uh pretty pretty anna jay and I, and I, I mean, Anna's a pretty girl, and she tries hard, works hard, tries the best. She has crowds behind her, but yeah, Jade should just like pretty much destroy her for most of the match. Give uh, maybe give Anna like a minute shine, but it should be Jade just dominating her. 
because I mean, in, in real life, knowing the right mind, and I know it's not <laughs> this is not real life, but knowing in the right mind that we would think Anna Jay had a chance, mm-hmm. no chance in hell in, in any type of fight with uh, with Jade Cargill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Jade wins. We have our six man tag. Oh, I'm sorry. Trios match because yes. you know, Tony Khan wants to be wants to be cool. Uh, right. The House of Black, Malachi Black, Buddy Matthews, and Brody King against the Death Triangle of Pac. Sorry, the Bastard Pac, Penta Oscuro, and Ray Phoenix. Um, I like Death. I- I'm gonna go with Death Triangle here. This sounds like a fun match. They'll probably throw themselves mm-hmm. around for about 12 minutes. Not too bad, Pete. But I like. I think Death Triangle wins. Yeah, I'm, I'm with that. I think Death Triangle is going to go over. But I mean, I, I think this will be a super fun match because uh, there's going to be some high spots. There's going to be some fighting. We're going to see some uh, selling because uh, I'm expecting Phoenix to probably be facing. Well, one of these guys will do some face and peril work because uh, I mean, these guys are big. But you'll see them Murphy do a bunch of the big spots with them. He'll be the one flying for his team. And then you'll see uh, you'll have uh, King and uh, and Black uh, do really do some good basing for uh, Phoenix and Pac and stuff. So yeah, I think this could tremendous. This guy's a, a lot of upside to be you know just a all out sprint uh, great match. Mm. Nate, what do you yeah. think? This this should be a fun one. I feel like this is where uh, business is going to start to pick up, gentlemen. Uh, I could see either team going over because they have really uh, portrayed House of Black as this strong unit. Uh, but in the spirit of the match, I'm going to make this a trio's pick, Scotty, and go oh. with, go with uh, Death Triangle uh, for the win here. Okay, so a clean sweep for Death Triangle getting the win. All right, uh, next, tag match. Oh, God, and this match just pisses me off because <laughs> this is Tony Khan whacking off to being, you know, this you know, Uber Mark for himself and trying to put over a match that in my opinion is a bunch of crap because it's not what everybody thinks it's going to be. Mm. We've got the, the, this is like the Tony Khan finally gets the dream match that he thought everybody wanted to see. And, <laughs> and let's be honest, probably half the audience doesn't. We have the Hardys, Matt and Jeff and the bucks. And we've seen it. It's happened. Yeah. Mm. Why do we fucking care anymore? This is not, I'm sorry, this isn't 2015 bucks versus 2001 Hardys, for shit's sakes. This is not a video game. I mean, will the match be great? Yeah, it'll be pretty good. But everyone's going to expect it to be 362 stars, and, you know, Meltzer's going to melt all over his floor of Dow Show sheets. But we know it's not. It's going to be pretty good. But it's not going to be, everybody's already, like, they probably have it in their minds right now, the, the, the snowflakes that this match is already going to be seven zillion stars just because it has to be <laughs> because the two names are in print. And that's happened before. And it's happened in WWE where you just look at a match and automatically think it's going to be the greatest thing in the history of the world. And maybe it would have been had it had the two teams been in their prime, which for the Bucks was about six years ago. And if the Hardys about 21 years ago, uh, maybe not even that much, maybe 15 years ago, because JR and I are doing 2007, 2008 uh, WWE. And Matt and Jeff at this point are actually still pretty good. But the, the fact remains is, all right, this is Tony Khan going, ha ha, I have the two greatest tag teams ever wrestling each other, but they're all old. 
<laughs> you know, I mean, and when, I, I when don't they, probably they met up on television. The crowd was lukewarm at best to this, didn't react to him at all. Um, right. So then, I mean, the crowd didn't buy any of them buying into it. As a, and this is an AEW crowd that are full of marks, and uh, and yeah, they're totally are not into uh, into this match at all. Yeah, almost like almost like the Hardys, uh, like uh, you know, they, they have a limited shelf life on what they can do on dream matches. They've already done this match with the Bucks before, so almost like we needed to get an FTR before the Bucks or mm. some other version of it. Because um, I don't, I mean, I, the Bucks are broken down at this point, man. Mm. And uh, not the Bucks, I mean, the Hardys are really broken down at this point. Um, I, I mean, they'll, they'll probably still have a good match, but I mean, they're. They're not even close to 2007 Hardy Boys and stuff. Um, right, exactly. Uh, I mean, Matt Matt is broken down. Jeff, I mean, just has a little left in the tank. But, man, I just don't. Uh, you you got to have a lot of smoke and mirrors with them. Like, I think FTR would have had a great match with them because FTR can work that Southern style and mm. uh, and, and make it happen. Um, and I'm sure the Bucks will do. They'll have a lot of, of smoke and mirrors and make it happen, too. But. Bottom line is the crowd just it was just not interested in this match, and mm. they should they should not they should care about it this early into the Hardys run in AEW. Mm. What do you think? Mm. Me? Well, Scotty, I think you need to use your imagination, brother. <laughs> 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 um, here's the thing: like I think both of you bring up valid points about why, like why are we getting this match when there's other matches like FTR. I think that that would have been a great matchup. I think like Hardy's acclaim to me is a low key match that I think could have gotten a lot of interest and really put the acclaimed over because uh, I think that's a team that's on the on the rise. Uh, in terms of this particular match. I think it'll play off a lot better in front of the pay-per-view crowd than mm-hmm. in front of your typical TV crowd, just because, you know, like you said, Pete, like the TV crowd is, is the hardcore crowd, but the pay-per-view crowd is the hardcores of the hardcores. Yeah. Uh, and I think Jeff in particular, like, you know, Matt, Matt's okay, but I feel like Jeff Hardy has some weird thing about him where no matter how long we've seen him wrestle, no matter how many personal issues he's had to overcome. I don't think this guy has never been, never not been over. Right. Like in impact in WWE in uh, AEW, like Jeff Hardy has a certain thing about him. Uh, You know what I'm thinking back to that uh, match he had with Darby a couple weeks ago, which was insane. And it's like, why, why are you doing this Jeff Hardy as a 45, 46, 47 year old yeah. man like you don't have to do this anymore jeff uh but i think i think the match will be good the match will be solid and i think the placement of the match makes sense if it's going to be towards the beginning of the card right because it's a match that'll be solid uh you know i'd say like this is going to be a solid three maybe even three and a half star match but it's going to get overshadowed by a lot of the stuff that comes later um i think you know, you and this is also a match I could, I think you can give the crowd a feel good moment with the Hardys winning, even though it doesn't ultimately mean anything. Because, uh, again, as Pete mentioned, like the the shelf life on this current incarnation of the Hardys is very short. Like they've got more days behind them than in front of them. Uh, but I think it'll be it'll be decent for what it is. 
Yeah, they got to win a few of these matches to, ma- to make them matter for at least to get a year run out of them. Yeah. They gotta, they gotta and, and the Bucks can take a loss. I think the Bucks can absorb yeah. it. The Bucks, yeah, Bucks are bulletproof, man. I, I think it should go at the beginning, too. Uh, I don't think you want to – this match needs to be that much lower in the card towards the back end. I think you want to – if it gets hot, great. If it doesn't, then mm-hmm. all right. Well, we forget about it at the beginning. Yeah. We have an anarchy in the arena I, match. I think, like, this is this, uh, going back real quick to the Hardys match. Yeah. If the Hardys match is our Mendoza line, our barometer, like, if that's kind of the floor of what we're looking at in terms of match quality, then I think you've got a pretty good show. If, like, this is, like, kind of on the lower end of match quality. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I have no idea what anarchy in the arena is. Uh, maybe you guys could help me because I'm not quite sure what this gimmick is, but it's a thing that's happening uh, between uh, the Jericho Appreciation Society, which is Jericho, Matt Menard, Angelo Porter, a uh, Parker, Daniel Garcia, and Jake Hager against Eddie Kingston, Santana Ortiz, and the Blackpool Combat Club which is, of course, Danielson and Moxley. Moxley wishes he was that tough. Uh, (laughs) um, uh, This is just going to be a bunch of bodies flown all over. Mm -hmm. Let the bodies hit the floor uh, all over the place. I'm sure it'll be fun. I hope this isn't a match that drags on too long. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'll go with Regal's guys winning the match here, Nate. But I think this will be a fun guys chucked all over the place match. As long as it doesn't go too long, I think this match could be okay. Let me tell you something, Scott Criscola. This is going to be a match. It's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be your Greco-Roman match, Pete Sermaka. It's going to be a lot of clubbering going on if you wheel, Jack. It's going to be a lot of clubbering, and we'll see who can get to the pay window, Daddy. Uh, <laughs> like, this is, this is going to be like your brawl for the show. And I think you got, especially on the side of the Blackpool Combat Club, and Santana Ortiz and Kingston, like you've got some really good brawlers. Um, I think one of the matchups I'm interested in seeing here, Pete, like, you know, cause we'll get little matchups within the match. Uh, like I think Daniel Garcia and Danielson, like I want to see them yep. mix it up. Uh, and I think we'll get that showcase some at some point during the match. Um, but I feel like, yeah, Jericho's crew, they're, they're, they're kind of, uh, they're kind of gatekeepers at this point. I feel like, yeah, like they they are the guys that are good enough to beat most people, but not good enough to beat the guys you really want to push and focus on. And there's no way the uh, Blackpool Combat Club is going to lose in their first big pay-per-view outing. I agreed. Not against the Jericho Appreciation Society. <laughs> what is a Jericho? Game. I know it is a shitty game. We'll talk more about Jericho maybe on the next show, but mm. I'm wondering if Jericho has finally kind of reached the end of the line here. Like, there's nothing left for him to do. Maybe, I'm not saying go to WWE or anything. I'm saying maybe it's just time for wrestling to finish. I don't know. Um, he'll end up going to Ring of Honor. Watch. That's, that's, the Tony Khan's no going to Tony Khan's going to do to Ring of Honor exactly what people didn't want Vince to do with Ring of Honor. <laughs> we'll, we'll, that's another topic for another episode. Uh, all right. Next, we yeah, have. They'll bring, they'll bring Johnny. In, I don't even know what they're calling him now. We'll, we'll make him Johnny. Oh, Johnny Honor. Elite. Yeah, now we Johnny Honor. <laughs> Johnny Honor. 
Johnny yeah. Honor does have a ring to it, Pete. Johnny Honor and the Valenti <laughs> brothers, baby. <laughs> All right. Next up, we have uh, a battle of employer and employee, MJF and Wardlow. I'm a big Wardlow guy, actually. So if Wardlow wins, he'll be granted his release from his MJF contract. But if MJF wins, Wardlow will be permanently banned from signing with the big AEW. Um, I hate seeing MJF lose, mm -hmm. uh, but he's going to uh, because I think Wardlow is a guy that needs to kind of shine and get out of this storyline and move on to bigger and better things, Nate. So I'm going to go with Wardlow here uh, because, again, MJF is bulletproof and can take losses as well. So yeah. I'm going to go with Wardlow here. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, just because it wouldn't fit if uh, Wardlow lost here. The only way that would make sense is if you actually had a functional ROH right now. Because then he could, quote unquote, like I signed with ROH, not with AEW. Right. You could have Wardlow and ROH. But given that that's not the case, it makes sense for Wardlow to win here. And in terms of MJF losing, I agree with you, Scotty. Uh, but I would say this is an exception because I think they've told the story for a long time, like they've been building, it's been a slow burn with the right. storyline of Wardlow and MJF. So I feel like it's the fitting conclusion for Wardlow yeah. to kind of get one up on Max. Yeah, we got to get a payoff, uh, and yeah, yeah. And it's got to be Wardlow winning, you know. And it's uh, yep, yep, got to be. I mean, they've done a really good job of the slow burn on this. So now it's time to uh, uh, turn that chapter. Yep, yep, I agree. Uh, we have a women's. Then we have the two tournament finals of the Owen Hart Cup. Uh, on the women's side, we have Dr. Britt Baker taking on either Ruby Soho or someone I've met in person, Chris Statlander. I guess that match is uh, tonight. If you're listening to this on Friday, I'm guessing this match is tonight on Rampage, yeah, on I Rampage. guess. Yep. Uh, I think Britt wins either way. Well, no. Let me, let me scratch that. Mm -hmm. If Ruby wins tonight, if you're listening to this on Friday, it's tonight. If Ruby wins tonight, I think Ruby wins the tournament. Yes. If Chris Statlander wins tonight, I think Britt Baker wins the tournament. What do you think, Pete? Yeah, I mean, this is interesting. Because um, it also boils into the Adam Cole, Samoa Joe thing. Um, so, man, this is a tough one. Um I want to say, I think you got, I think you might have to go with Brit. I think they might do a Brit. Um, but, you know, I mean, God, it almost seems like the, you need a, it feels like it needs to be a babyface win. I think Soho <laughs> needs a win really bad. So mm -hmm. I think they might, I think they might go with Soho here. Yeah, that, that's my pick. I feel like Soho's going to win on Rampage and then Soho beats Brit because, yes. Uh, you need you you ultimately ideally you'd like to have a babyface win the first Owen Hart Memorial Cup, yeah. uh, but also Ruby's kind of gotten lost in the shuffle. Like she she had that big debut uh, yep. in the Battle Royal, uh, but then she's kind of been like not an afterthought, but she's kind of been below Thunder Rosa and Britt and yeah. Sheeta and Serena Deeb and Jade. So she's kind of gotten lost in the shuffle a bit. It's Tony Storm. Like, I think debuting has overshadowed yeah. Ruby a bit. So this will be a nice win for Ruby. Mm -hmm. I agree. And I love Chris Statlander, but she's not. I mean, she's kind of been always kind of a middle 
character yeah. in that division. And anyway, they've kind of so. been playing Chris a little bit more heelish now, and I don't think you want her and Britt in the finals either. Right, exactly. So, all right, in the men's final, as Pete mentioned, we have Samoa Joe against Adam Cole. Um, I feel like Adam Cole has to win this match mm. uh, to, to keep himself kind of relevant, and I think Joe's just there to do that. And then I think you'll see Joe doing ROH stuff. So I like Cole here, Nate. Yeah, I think this is going to be a hell of a match. And to contradict immediately what Pete and I just said, I think Adam Cole is the choice here, even though he's the quote-unquote heel. He's the heel that everybody loves, which in a way is a fitting tribute to Owen Hart. That's fair. Um, Yeah, I think Cole's going to go over. Um, I think I I was talking to my friend, uh, uh, Lost, Charles Lynch, and we both agreed that, I mean, a, a babyface should win this thing. And we would have gone with, like, Jungle Boy uh, mm-hmm. earlier on. As that's the type of guy, a little plucky thing that maybe played into the Christian uh, uh, Canadian thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, heel, potential heel turn that's coming up. But, you know, it didn't happen. So, yeah, well, we're, and Joe just doesn't fit. There's not the babyface to win the tournament. So, um, yeah, I'll go with Cole. At least to uh, cheer for him because he's, you know, over. We have uh, a three-way tag for the AEW World Tag Team Belts. It's nice to have a tag team title match that doesn't have the bucks in it. We have uh, my boys, Jurassic Express, Baby Dylan, and Luchasaurus uh, against Team Taz, Ricky Starks, and Powerhouse Hobbs, and Keith Lee and Swerve Mm. Strickland. Uh, I don't think Jurassic Express is keeping the belts in this match. I'm a little torn on which team wins. I think this would be a nice win for Keith Lee to get comfy in AEW. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Team Taz could use a win. So I'm going to listen to you two guys, and then I may pick. So, Pete, you go first. Who do you like here? Well, if there's going to be a title change, I think it's going to be Lee and Swerve getting it. Because on the one special, Battle of the Belts, I think it was. Uh, uh, or maybe it was just in Louisiana, but I thought it was Battle of the Belts. Um Starks and Power Hobbs, Power Hobbs beat them, which mm-hmm. would usually mean that you, they're beating them, being sets up with them winning the title and make the Hobbs and uh, uh, Starks instant contenders because they beat the cha- champs in a, in a when before they were champs. Um, so I'm going to go with uh, Lee and, and Swerve as a winning and becoming the belts. But honestly, I wouldn't be shocked if uh, Jurassic uh, Express uh, re- retains though. But I. If that doesn't happen, I think we're going to see uh, Strickland and, and Keith Lee winning the belts. Mm. Nate, what do you think? Oh, by God, Scotty, let me tell you something about Jungle Jack Perry here. <laughs> uh, uh, here's the thing. I feel like this is a match that is going to end up being my sleeper pick for match of the night. Like, I think it has a really strong chance to steal the show, given the talent involved in said match. Uh, if here's the thing, Scott. If Jurassic Park, uh, excuse me, yeah, Jurassic Park was. Uh, <laughs> well, that's was, coming uh, out. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. If that was a Warner Brothers movie, you got to keep the belts on Jurassic Express. Yes, yeah, just for the tie-in. Uh, but given that it's not, and given that I feel, I feel like they have reached a point where they can be still be over even without the belts. I think it's time to elevate somebody else. And so then the question is, is it Team Taz or is it Swerve and Lee? And I like what Pete's saying, 
but I think I'm going to go the opposite way and say Team Taz wins. They pin uh, either probably Jungle Boy through nefarious means. And so you still have Lee and Swerve not being pinned in the match. So they would be, you know, arguably the number one contenders coming out of this. Uh, but I think just from a match standpoint, there's so many great little combinations. You got the three power dudes. You got the, you know, Swerve. Like we saw just this past week on uh, Dynamite. Swerve, mm-hmm. uh, Ricky, and Jungle Boy had a hell of a match. Uh, I, I really enjoyed that match. So I think this is going to be even better. Uh, but I'm going to put my money on Team Taz in part because I feel like, man, Ricky Starks, is a guy that is just waiting and, and be, probably could have been close to a main eventer had he not gotten injured last year. Right. Uh, I think Ricky's just about there. And then Powerhouse Hobbs is a guy that is on the way. They just have to bring him along. And I think this would go a, a good step towards bringing him along. Okay. I'm going to, um, I think because they've just been around a little longer, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with uh, team Taz as well. Uh, I think they're gonna. I, I think they it, it keeps Taz's group strong, and I think um, I think we might see more out of Keith Lee, and and maybe those those two teams will will uh, mm-hmm. will feud. I think that's a good feud setup right there. So I'm gonna go with Team Taz to also become the new tag team champions. And honestly, I feel like Swerve and Lee, and this is no disrespect to the team, but I feel like the team right now is kind of a bit of a placeholder, Pete, because mm-hmm. I I do feel like. Both Lee and Swerve will have bigger singles runs in the more immediate future than Starks or Hobbs. I agree with that. I agree there, but I think Hobbs has a lot of upside. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, but right now the, the whole singles division is just super crowded. Uh, it's almost yeah. like the roster is too crowded for the amount of shows they produce. And Starks and Hobbs is supposed to be like the tenth Fast and Furious movie, right? Starks <laughs> and Hobbs. Oh yeah, there you go. Starks and Hobbs. Um, so, all right. Now, uh, this match has a soft spot for me because uh, these two uh, awesome workers wrestled for the uh, NWA Women's World Title, otherwise known as the Burke, currently held by newly married Camille. Uh, Thunder Rosa, my girl, against Serena Deeb, kind of rejuvenating their feud uh, from the NWA. Uh Serena Deeb beat Thunder Rosa back last fall during those terrible uh, UWN shows. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Deeb uh, got pummeled by Camille um, back in the spring. And Camille has been a killer champion ever since. Uh, I don't see Deeb winning here. Uh, mm-hmm. I think she's just here to put Thunder Rosa over and well, not put her over, but keep putting her over. And have Thunder Rosa as an amazing champion. and uh, But I think we're going to get a good technical stiff match here, Pete, between these two. I'm with you. I think Thunder goes over. I think it'll be a solid match. Um, I, I, but I just don't think it's going to be epic or anything. I think I like Thunder nah. Rosa a lot. She can be hit or miss sometimes. Um, but yeah, I think she just needs to get the win here. Eventually, they're going to rebuild her, rebuild her and, and Britt going in a, in a direction eventually again. Mm. Nate, what do you think? Yeah, I think this will be a really solid match and credit where credit is due to AEW because one of the early complaints and one of the most persistent complaints and truthful complaints was the lack of depth in their women's division. 
but they have completely like built Serena Deeb apart from the title picture uh, through that feud with Sheeta mm-hmm. and through kind of just being, you know, this old school like heel that just is dastardly. Uh, and I really like what they've done with her and have, have not had to focus on the title until now. Um, right. So, yeah, I've been a big fan of Serena Deeb for, for a minute. Uh, you know, hails from my home state, so I always have love for for that. Uh, but I do feel like this is just kind of a, another way to further cement Rosa, because while I I think it was the right call to put the belt on Thunder over Britt, her reign thus far has felt like it hasn't been a bad reign, Scotty. But I don't right. feel like it's taken that next step, and I feel mm-hmm. like a match like this kind of can kind of give Thunder some momentum to get to that next step. Uh, you know, Pete mentioned a rematch with Britt, which I think is definitely uh, in line down the road. I think, you know, you've got uh, matches with people like uh, Ruby probably coming off of the Owen Hart Cup. And then ultimately, I think we're leading to Thunder and Jade probably sometime next year, which I think if booked right could be a big match. Uh, yeah, I think so. And then Jade would be the AEW equivalent of, in my opinion, Camille, because they're built very similar. Mm. Um, yeah, both, that's a good analogy. Bricks, yeah, they're both brick shit houses, And and uh, as you guys, as you've heard on the, with Dr. G and I in the Saturday special, I, I am all over Camille. She has grown by leaps and bounds. And I feel mm. the same way about Thunder Rosa and Jay Cargill and a lot of the the, the headliners in this women's division. They, they've learned a lot. And they're helping carry this division, which I still think needs a little work to mm. catch up. Yeah, to it, just, it, just, it doesn't have that oomph. I don't know what it is. It just doesn't have a lot of marquee matchups in there. Yeah, you know, I still think they. I still think they're trying to fix kind of Kenny Omega's lack mm. of star power and just had all of his Japanese friends, which I think hurt in the beginning, but may help out. You know, maybe as they rebuild a little bit, they'll mm. they'll. Uh, you know they can they can make it better, but it's been they've, pretty- they've they've had the benefit of talent that wasn't available when they first started, right? That like is true. A Ruby, like a Tony Storm, you know that yep. had been it. Uh, you know, I think even with Thunder, like Thunder was still with the NWA and would come yep. over sporadically, but you know now she's fully AEW. So I think uh, from a talent aspect, they've grown over the past year. Agreed. Yep. All right. This one uh, has driven me batshit for the last <laughs> all day as I was prepping for tonight and, uh, and you know, who I was going to pick. Hangman Page, my guy, defends the AEW world title against my other guy, uh, CM Punk. And my opinion, Hangman Page needs to win this match. Mm-hmm. Why does CM Punk have to be world champion? Why? No need. No need. Unless he's turning heel, which that's not happening. Um, I think Hangman Page, he's homegrown. He's an AW from the start. He needs to be put over. He needs to be established as the face of this company since Cody's gone. Because a lot of, now that Cody's gone, I think there's a race to be, who is the face of AEW now? Is it MJF? Is it Punk? Is it Hangman Page? You know, is it Daniel? Well, I don't think it's Danielson. I don't think it's Moxley anymore. No. Uh, I think, honestly, guys, Hangman Page has to win this match. He has to. That's just my, that's what I think. And I do not think if Tony Khan is doing the right thing for this company, 
Hangman Page has to stay champion. Nate has to. Yeah, I agree. And I like I feel like there there will probably be a time where Punk will hold the belt. Like I don't think that mm-hmm. time is now, but I think it will happen and it'll probably be a good moment when it does happen. Uh, you know, for Punk. But I look at Hangman Page the same way I, I just talked about Thunder Rosa, where I think he's had a he had a great climb to the title and he's mm-hmm. had some really solid matches. Like I think, you know, that Danielson match uh was 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 one of the best AEW matches uh, that I'd seen right. uh, him and him and too. Brian Danielson, but yep. it feels like he hasn't quite taken that next step where like, I think everybody accepts him as champion, but he's not the guy, you know? And so this is a match Pete where he's taking on somebody who people perceive as the guy, even though he's not the face of the company, he's not the champion and just, from a storyline standpoint and also from a real world perspective in terms of building for the future and investing in your homegrown talent, I think this is a win that Hangman needs. I think it'll be a really good match, a really fun match. The crowd will be into it. Uh, lots of dueling chance. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think we need to see some cowboy shiznit, Pete. Yeah, you know, I feel bad for Paige in a way. Um because, I mean, I, I watched him when he first started. Like, you know, not first started, but he was in Ring of Honor. And they did everything to get the guy over. And he never clicked as a headliner mm-hmm. in Ring of Honor. And finally got with it being the elite. And that's when he started clicking. And then in the AEW, they did a good job. And then he, uh, when they really needed to pull the trigger on him, he couldn't because he got uh, got sick or had a, or someone died or something like that. And then they finally go back to him. And at that point, they'd bring in Punk and Danielson. So, mm-hmm. after, honestly, everyone's saying, oh, you have to pull the trigger. And it was almost like it felt like it was peer pressure for them to pull the trigger on Paige. Because I really didn't think he was ready to be the guy when she had Danielson or Punk in the promotion. Um, I, I I think pay, Punk's going to win. I I feel bad. I just, you know... Page has been the champ, but he's been an afterthought the whole entire time. He's, it's a very Sting-like, you know, yes. NWA, WCW Sting-like title run. Yep. It yeah. Like, it almost reminded me a lot of when Danielson won the title at Mania years ago, um, mm. where they set him up with Kane as his first opponent, I mm-hmm. think, or something. Oh, I, uh, yep. Was I was at that like, show. I was yeah, at that show. Know, yep. It just felt... Um, it felt like the promotion, like I thought WWE was gonna get hot again, and uh, and then they just then all of a sudden like it was like they was like self fulfilling prophecy where they didn't want Danielson to succeed, and mm-hmm. so we're gonna set you up with a feud with of, against Kane, and we already had him facing Kane earlier in the year, and now we uh, it's just I, I feel I just feel I think it's almost like that where Paige is just in a bad position, and. Uh, he got. He still got over uh, with everything without all that said, but he just still feel, doesn't feel like the star on Punk or Danielson's level. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, and look, I like. I look. I own a ton of well WWE Punk T-shirts. I haven't gotten the one AEW one yet, but um, I just think he's got to be. You need a. The one thing that that has hurt AEW since Cody leaving, because Cody was the face of AEW, let's be honest. And with Cody I mean, gone... To, to be fair, Scott, Cody is the face of America. 
Well, he is. He's the and face. And to be fair, also Cody, Cody obviously lost that moniker. If you ask me, once Punk and Danielson came mm-hmm. in, yeah, uh, he and he, he and him never winning the title, it didn't help him. Uh, Cody, I mean, bottom line, the crowd turned on him. I mean, he mm-hmm. lost that crowd, and yep. uh, and he somehow got it back with the WWE because it's like you know it was like almost like a fresh coat of paint uh, mm-hmm. going over there, and they. Forgot, forgive him for all the little miscues that he had in AEW. I mean, the guy worked hard, don't get me wrong. But, yeah, I felt the him becoming the face of AEW, that, that was old school. I, I thought once uh, Punk and D'Angelo stepped out, they were the face. And then even Adam Cole, almost to an extent, mm-hmm. um, uh, got over. And, yeah, and Cody just slid down to the point where, the, honestly, the, the AEW is not missing him at all. I mean... It actually no. helped. It actually helped because that's one less uh, mouth they got to feed, honestly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I have a feeling that that Cody, again, due to the respect that the company has of the old man, I think Cody's a guy that will have a job in WWE down the line uh, if that's what he wants. And I have a feeling he does. I don't think you I don't think you'll uh, I don't want to say you'll never see Cody back in AEW, but. You may see him back in AEW within, you know, 10 years or something. Who knows? Yeah, you might. So, and, you know, the other thing going for him that I think Vince respects with Cody, and it's the same thing like he respected Lawler uh, mm-hmm. because he, he ran a territory and respected Eric Bischoff and respected, like, when he was going through the uh, steroid trial, he was thinking they're bringing, bringing Jerry Jarrett in. Right. He respects guys who ran his own company and yeah, Cody wasn't wasn't Tony Khan, but he was one of the big guys who started that company. And I think Vince yeah. respects him on that level. And that's why I think he if any I think that's his best chance of succeeding in WWE is that Vince will respect him and and, and not try to change him. And um, Cody, like Cody bet on himself, which is something, yes. you know, kind of going back to what we were Vince. talking about earlier with uh yeah. Sasha and Naomi, you know, I think Vince may not always like it when the performers stand up for themselves, but I do feel like there's a level of respect where you have like, yeah, like this is what I believe in. This is what I'm going to go do. And, and Cody is nothing. If not, I'm going to, you know, create something, even if it doesn't always work, I'm going to go out on that limb. Yep. Hmm. We'll see. Uh, That's the one match that, that I'm, that's, you know, making me skittish and I'm not, Look, I'm not, I don't hate Punk. I just yeah. don't want him to win right now. The, Hangman Page, I've had a soft spot. Listen, I've had a soft spot. I, maybe I haven't told you guys. i told others on other shows. I have a soft spot for Hangman Page for two reasons. Number one, I just like him. I think he's cool. I like the mm. term cowboy shit, and I like his T-shirts. Number two, here's a guy who they loved in the beginning. And he was the guy who won the Battle Royal thingamajig mm. at the first, first double or nothing. Yep. That whole summer of 2019, they totally put him over, getting him ready to face the old man Jericho at the first all out. Mm-hmm. Then he loses, which was the right thing to do at the time. Yes. Because the, the inaugural AEW champion needed to be an established guy. And so Jericho winning was not yep. a bad move. Because Hangman Page was not at the level where he could go on Ellen yet, Scotty. Nope. Exactly. Not, no, no. Now, now he could go now now hangman ph could go on kelly clarkson yes okay so and dr Oz, well dr Oz doesn't have a show anymore uh but um so 
you know, and then he got lost in the shuffle. Now he teamed with Kenny, and then Kenny and the Kenny and Pangman of the Bucks had the greatest tag team match in the history of the Milky Way, and yada yada yada. <laughs> but he got kind of lost in the shuffle for those couple years, and then mm-hmm. Jericho dropped it to John No Talent, and then they had their and him and Kenny had their sixty five thousand blow up mattress matches and all that shit. And Kenny got and and Hangman got lost in the shuffle. And, and, then, and I, I, honestly, Scotty, like I'll push back on that a little bit. I wouldn't even say he got. Yes, he got lost in the shuffle in the sense of eyeballs and like where his place was on the card but i think if we're looking at the hangman page character i think it worked for him in terms of his second run to his second title match in terms of like he's a guy that now he's hanging out with the dark order even though he doesn't want to and he's drinking all the time and like i think that story was really good that they told to get him you know we we talk about long-term booking and it's something a lot of people don't do like they took a year, like two years, if you want to include his first, you know, run up to the Jericho match to tell the story of this guy. Unfortunately, I think, and Pete made a really good point about Danielson coming in and Punk coming in. And to a lesser extent, you know, you got people like Keith Lee and Swerve and like there's so many new guys in this roster and the roster is so crowded. And I feel like, you know, Cole, I feel like the champion has gotten lost in the shuffle, which is a problem. Right. Right. Yeah, it almost no, feels I, like I, they have to give the belt to Punk because if they didn't give it to Danielson, it's almost inevitable they got to give it to Punk because I felt like they got to give it to one of the two guys when they came yeah. into the company. Yeah, I agree. I just don't think right now is the time. I think this is a a must win for for Hangman's resume in general. So, but we'll see. So we'll see. All right, guys. Uh, wow, that was a very meaty show and. Uh, we talked about a lot of great stuff. So, of course, uh, you can buy a Double or Nothing for the meaty $50 on BR Live on a Sunday. Or if you're overseas, I think it's on Fight TV. I wish it was on Fight TV here because I love Fight TV. Uh, thank you, gentlemen. Uh, Nathaniel, sir, what is going on on the beloved Kings of Sport Patreon? Yes, the Kings of Sport Patreon where for $5 for the cost of – one glass of Hangman Page's beer or bottle. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what she prefers to drink out of. I'm assuming bottles. Yeah. Uh, right. for, for the cost of a, a six pack of of White Claw that Hangman Page is drinking. I don't know the price. <laughs> I don't know the price of the White Claw, Pete. I don't drink that stuff. Uh, <laughs> uh, for 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 five bucks, you can get in on the Patreon for over 200 hours of uh, sports shows. Wrestling shows, including uh, the uh, Chain Reaction, uh, mm-hmm. which is a, a show that Scotty has been on numerous times. Yes. Uh, we've got the Chain Reaction up there, the original archives of the NWA podcast, which is now at Post Wrestling. That's up on the Patreon. We got MCU reviews. We've got a Hamilton live watch from a year or so ago. We've got a, a review of Peacemaker, the John Cena show up there. Uh, eventually, one of these days when I dig out from under this mountain of work. Uh, the 300th episode of the Kings of Sport is going to be up there. Uh, mm-hmm. Right now, you can catch the video on our YouTube page, uh, but the audio version is going to be on the uh, Patreon first before it hits the regular stream. Uh, but we've got a lot of stuff planned in the summer once my work schedule gets a little lighter. Uh, Chris from LA, the aforementioned professor, uh, as well yes. as Andrew Thompson and some other friends uh, around the community where we're going to... Uh, start 
doing some more shows and utilizing the Patreon a bit more uh, than we have since I started the new job. Uh, so stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, there's there's enough content, Pete, to keep you keep you tied it over until we start making some more new stuff. So go to patreon.com backslash the Kings of Sports, sign up five bucks uh, for everything else, uh, links and uh, opinions about all these other shows. Go to Twitter at in the number eight M O Z A I K at Nate Mosaic on Twitter. And if you want to pay a little more than five dollars, Steve Willie mm. is still sitting over in the back area. So yes, you can get in the in the <laughs> Willie section as we call it. Steve Willie is drinking. He does drink White Claw. So or truly White Claw Willie. <laughs> White Claw White Claw Willie. That's his new. That's uh, his new. Uh, Tony Khan gave him that. It's his new R O H name. We thought it was going to be. Uh, Siegfried and Willie, but I think we like White Claw Willie better. <laughs> yeah, Pete, I can I can see White Claw Willie as like the official ROH backstage announcer, <laughs> like Goldilocks. Yes, he's the, he's yes. the new Goldilocks. The new Goldilocks. Oh my God, something's going on in the back. Let's go to White Claw Willie. <laughs> oh my God, he was on tough enough. Uh, <laughs> Pete, anything going on? Yeah, you can follow me at Titans of Wrestling on Twitter, and I'm doing a. Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi recap podcast Ooh. with my buddy Travis called The Fools Who Follow Him. So if yes. you're watching yeah, that, hearing that, hearing our thoughts on that, follow us over there. And or on my Twitter, you can find out where we're at and stuff. Oh, I cannot wait. If you're listening to this the day it drops, mm. first two episodes are today. I know. Oh, I'm waking up at 2 in the morning to watch those bad boys. <laughs> oh, I cannot wait. Cannot wait. Big day for streaming today. Uh, today, Friday, if you're listening, Stranger not things. only did Obi-Wan drop, but the first seven episodes of Stranger mm. Things. Isn't this weird, guys? It's a nine-episode season. Seven of them drop today. That is weird. The, last two, the last two dropped July 2nd. That's <laughs> so <laughs> weird. I don't get it. Never will get it. Uh, and, and from That's what I read... in the streaming game. I know. Uh, as for Obi-Wan, the first two episodes are today, and then every episode after that will be um, Wednesdays. So mm-hmm. this coming Wednesday, my birthday, June 1st, will be episode three, and then every Wednesday after that will be the rest. So the only Friday episodes are today. Every other episode after that will be on Wednesdays, in case you didn't know, Pete. I'm sure you did. I did. So, yeah. So, all right. Well, uh, obviously you can follow me on Twitter, at Scott C. Podfather, but please follow the brand on Twitter, at PTB and Wrestling. Uh, we do polls. We do fun little chats. We drop the pods. Of course, follow the Place to Be group, uh, the face the Place to Be group on uh, Facebook, also Place to Be Nation page. We'll be back in two weeks. Uh, what's going on in two weeks? Uh, let's see. Well, we can. I, I'd like to get your guys' opinions of NWA Always Ready, which will be that following Saturday. Doctor G and I will have a preview as well in the Saturday special. We will recap uh, Hell in a Cell, which will be the previous uh, Sunday, June fifth, from Chicago, ironically. Uh, <laughs> And uh, we'll see what repercussions come of that as uh, we will be towards uh, Money in the Bank. So have a great weekend. Uh, I won't say happy Memorial Day because technically you're not supposed to say that. But enjoy your weekend. If you see a veteran, tell them thank you for your service. Uh, Former Brother Pete and Brother Nate. I am Brother Scott. You've been in the main event. We'll talk to you in two weeks. Hey, Scott Criscola. I think this is it, Pete. Hey, Nate Milton. So, you know, I, I, I just realized that I missed the last episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we didn't have a joke going out in the last episode. So I was going to give you double this week. <gasps> wow. But instead, you get nothing. Uh, I walked into that one. <laughs> <laughs>